Let's rock. Hello, yes, Dan Eisen here. This is the master of Tiger Style, Lee Moriarty, Dominic Carini. This is Trey Lamar. This is Zoe Sky. This is Nick fucking Gage. This is Bobby Beverly, and you're listening to the IWTV Guide Podcast. And welcome to a very special edition of IWTV Guide. I'm Jared J. Hawk Hawkins. Joining me as always, the man who wears a Halloween costume all year long, Charlie Butter. That's very mean of you. I'll remember that. What, you put your Kevin Owens shirt on and you're set. I don't know what you're talking about. <sighs> Stop it. I'm going to tell him. Do you, have the, do you have the basketball shorts to match? I never bought the ones that WWE offered, but I do have basketball shorts. So I'm going to tell him about that if I ever get to see him again. So... Okay, are you are you, you a short out? all year kind of guy? Uh, no, not really. I get cold easy. <laughs> My kid is a shorts kid all the time. Like he'll go to school and they're at school and there's no dress codes. He'll go wearing a hoodie and shorts like in 40 to 50 degree weather. Uh, mine would mine would do the same thing. except They actually do ban short from November 1st to April 1st. So he actually has to wear pants starting Monday and he doesn't know what to do with himself. Oh, boy. I mean, culottes. I say culottes. I'll wear shorts like around the house, but like I won't go out in shorts. That's no, no, it's too cold. Yeah, see, I'm I'm the same way. But that uh, that third voice that you hear is uh, the director of fun. Uh, we found him. Uh, Joe Busto is here. Former director of fun. Uh, the former director. director of fun. I think was hit by a bus. Well, you know, uh, you're the director of fun on IWTV God. How about that? All right. Fair enough. I'll, I'll take that. So I guess uh, the first thing we should talk about is uh, we're not going to review a show today. We're just going to chat. Oh, man. I watched the entire IWTV catalog to prepare for this <laughs> since you didn't tell me a show. So I just watched everything. I don't believe you. <laughs> no, We've been trying that for a year, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. If you even just tried the entire AIW catalog, I've got 157 AIW show on there. There's no way you did all that in a week. I'm, I'm throwing that right out there. No, see, I booked him a month in advance. I don't, I don't play around with like a week to week thing here. I book months in advance, Jayhawk. Okay, 157 show, average of three hours each. You're looking at almost 500 hours worth of content. The dude got a sleep come time. He got a real job. There ain't no fucking way. <laughs> I'm on the Bru- I'm on the Bruce Pritchard sleep schedule. I sleep four and a half hours a week, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the Bruce Pritchard sleep schedule, but not by choice. I just can't right. sleep. You're super lucky, Jayhawk. I just want you to know this because on Wednesday, it is the OSHA training day at work, which means you basically get a free day of work. You get. Uh, a meal for free and you just gotta go sit in a boring stuffy room and listen to them talk about osha safety regulations hey i'll take it i know i was like you're so lucky you start on monday and wednesday you get that special training sucks i had to wait like almost a full year to get that uh, and, and then like my first day their orientation the first half of the day anyway go my first day like half a day of actual work too no. yeah but you're if depending on where they put you you'll probably be there super early the next morning anyway so probably but yeah because i think they're still on tens so but yeah you get a you get which, a, which 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 doesn't remind me i'm free but today was my last day at the other job nice yeah did you do the uh the half baked where you're like fuck you fuck you you're cool fuck you i'm out <laughs> i wanted to do that so bad but unfortunately that's just the way it works like no one will hurt the people weren't around to, to justify doing it okay 
I wanted to do that so bad. The weird thing is the store management loved me and they're like, got to keep me go. And I didn't actually hear from my actual manager today. So. Huh. Did you, did the, the, your replacement ever show up or you're, you're supposed to be your second person? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's going to be okay. As long as you stick with it. I think we'll keep, well, we won't see how that goes, but I don't plan on going back there anytime soon. Like I actually have to shop for something, but uh man you know all the time you worked there i never had you do doll hunts for me for figures i should have done that an, an interesting thing is like people asked me to do doll hunt for them were people that actually owned toy yeah toy store go like why am i doing your work for you like you're not paying me any actor for this shit right but at the same time the, one of them was duking me and charge him a premium you know uh, one of them was duking me when he would have like yeah get at the store for signing or whatever and he was paying me to be there for those so I'm, i'll take it Oh yeah, that's going to be the the new hotbed in this area is going to be uh, wrestler signings, which I'm all here for because uh, y'all want to compete and have different wrestlers like 20 minutes from me. I'm all for it. I've been jealous of Philadelphia and Wilkes Bear and all them places for far too long. <laughs> Wilkes Bear's got dog and shit. I'll tell you that much. Like I said, I it was a good week this past week, and I know uh, Adam, my co-host over on at odds, he had some luck going out on like Tuesdays, hitting a whole bunch of places randomly and was, uh, hitting the mother load. But we, we had like a drought of figures, um, you know, for the last like two years and only oh, yeah. things have started to pick up in the last month. Um, but you're talking about the signings. There's that place, that wrestling universe place in New York mm-hmm. that seems to have like three people every weekend and it's big name folks. So you said you're getting a place like that out by you guys or. Well, there's just like a couple like toy, uh, like the people that run toy. Hi-O. Uh mm-hmm. He's getting Mick Foley. Uh, it's coming up here. I think uh, is it this Friday. Yeah. Oh man. That's awesome. Uh, he'll be in store signing for like three hours. And then like, there's this other rival toy, uh, store. That's like, they get their own signings. Like, I think they had jazz at toy Ohio in competition to Danhausen. Um, and, and like there's the, another one that had, uh, Al Snow and TV Richard and Nova a few months ago. Yeah. And like, I think the other comp, the other place had Shane Douglas and Mikey Whipwreck and, so like they've been going back and forth with like wrestling talent and then they've had a couple AEW people. And so it's, it's, they be keep going back and forth and I'm just, I'm loving it. Cause like eventually they're going to get the people I want to actually go get autographs from and it'll be 20 minutes away from me instead of, uh, you know, an hour to Cleveland or whatever. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. They were, I feel bad for Gallant town, but they were doing real well for a while until Bud Clark and closed his door down. But still doing stuff, but not as frequently. He has like a new location. He moved the store to a mall. Okay. And I I don't know where it is now, but every now and then I'll see Rob Naylor post the flyer for it, you know? Okay. I know he closed the store in Allentown in 2018. I was under the impression that he was done done when he did that. No, no. He had like a, like, I wouldn't call it like a pop-up or whatever it was, but it was like maybe like a kiosk sort of thing in a mall uh, nearby. Okay. Yeah, I actually used to get I actually used to trade videotape with Bud back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, that's hilarious. Which was actually usually more me giving him money in exchange for some of the tape. But right, right. I, I was very lucky that I got, um, you know, in my days of going to shows and everything. A lot of my stuff was either traded with people that I would meet at shows going to like ECW shows in the 90s. And then once the advent of the Internet and CD technology came around um or dvd uh technology then you know you had your things like crazy max and stuff like that and 
you know, you'd be maybe spending $4 for a show as opposed to 20 to $25 for a show. I got, I don't know who it was. I found somebody that had like, was like doing tape dubs and I like spent hours going through trying to figure out just the tapes I wanted. And like, I had a list of like 30 or 40 tapes and I had to narrow it down to like 10, uh, just like this. And it took forever to get them. But like, I was like all worried that I was like scammed or whatever, but I finally got them and I've like found this website that had like, um, this person was making custom, um, like VHS covers for shows. Okay. And I had those printed out and I had like VHF, like all the, I found like a bunch of like the VHS, uh, cases that have the, where you could slide in the cover. I had those all for them and stuff like that. And it was like a bunch of PWG shows and a couple like IW mid South shows and some CZW shows, uh, and stuff like that. And like, I ordered from smart Mark from time to time, but like, I just, that was like when I was first getting like first working and stuff like that. So like, I wasn't really spending a lot of money on, uh, wrestling tapes and stuff like that. Like I'd mostly spent a lot of my time just on the computer, like in the chat rooms and like the, um, message boards, like learning about stuff like indie wrestling. And, uh, cause I was like a big yep. XPW guy to start. Oh boy. So how did you uh, feel the XPW dark side of the ring was? So I, I, mentioned this on twitter i agreed with you like i really wish they would have like touched on like how they tried to move into philly and do that whole thing and like how they got the exclusive rights to the arena and like how like roh and ccw teamed up and like all that stuff was super interesting and i'm really hoping there's like i feel like there's enough meat on the bone for some of these stories that they've done that they could do a part two like the anita one i feel like you could totally do a part two of and I feel like you could totally do a part two of the XPW one, especially now that it's like relaunching and there's going to be a bunch of new shit coming from that. But I feel like they, they could also touch on that whole story there because that's super interesting. And it gives like a really interesting view of what the Indies were like in the early two thousands that I don't think a lot of people remember um, or were around for that. And I was around for it. And like I was in CZW, the CZW fans slash Zandig fans message board, all that kind of stuff. I was in there like with all them people. Um, and like, so like, it's funny, like hearing names and I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember him from that message board. Like, it's really interesting. Like my name's changed from when I was there, but, uh, yeah. So like, it's just really interesting. Like, I'd love to see all that go back through, but they did a pretty good job with everything else. I felt like not having Lizzie Borden on there kind of sucked. Cause I feel like she could have given some really interesting insight. And unfortunately, you know, Supreme had passed away before they did this documentary. Cause he could have been really interesting. And, uh, there's a couple other guys. I thought they might, they should have gotten a hold of like, uh, uh, white trash, Johnny Webb, And, um, I'm trying to think who else Sandman would have been an interesting one. Cause he was there for a bit. And, uh, the guy, I don't know if the guy who played Pogo, the clown's even still alive, but he would have been interesting to hear about. Right. So you have to, you have to imagine though, a lot of those guys, let's say white trash, Johnny Webb or, you know, Pogo, like, where are those guys today? Could right. you even get a hold of them? Right. Um, if you can't get a hold of them, do they even want to talk about it? But I actually heard Evan Huntley on Johnny Rucky podcast this weekend talking about with the steroid trial epicode, like there are people they want to talk to who just won't talk about it. Right. That problem as well, of course, you know, <sighs> or maybe they interview someone and they're like, okay, this guy's bullshitting us. You know, they're not yeah. giving us 
Well, like we know like this bare bones facts and the, this person is coming in and they're just getting their own narrative over or whatever they're trying to do. Um, so like we can't even use this guy. So it's interesting though, that they also pointed out that like raw black wouldn't talk to them, but at the same time he claimed when it was first announced, they were going to do XPW that they never even contacted him. So I, I honestly would believe them over him, but at the same time, like why even say that they never bothered to contact him for it? Cause you, that's like a dead obvious thing. Like, why would you not want the owner to talk about that? So, well, you know, uh, Rob black is a notorious and known liar. Right. And that's why I think like, that's where like it, it kind of comes up. Like, yeah, he, like you said, he would want to like control that narrative and like, you know, tell the story from his perspective and only what he wanted out would get out. But I feel like, I don't know. I just, I, why would he even, I don't know. I understand like his logic behind trying to say they never even bothered to try to talk to him because I feel like that's pretty easy to prove disprove. So, mm-hmm. well, and, and, and again, that's the thing, you know, what a lot of it boils down to is like his word against theirs and vice versa. Um, you know, Rob has his own platform. He has a podcast or whatever it is that he does. So he, he could put whatever narrative he wants out there. And, you know, a couple weeks ago when they did the Canyon one and, uh, Raven was like, yeah, they didn't even contact me. I wish they did. Um, now another thing with this, of course, if you remember from the previous seasons where they would do the podcast with Conrad. Mm hmm. And that would kind of help fill in some of the gaps and some of the behind the scenes stories and, you know, some of the stuff that was left in the cutting room floor. I really liked those podcasts. And I guess Conrad had intimated that for this season, these guys did some sort of deal or signed some sort of deal with Jericho, but nothing ever came from it. Like Jericho never put out any podcast for them unless Jericho's waiting for the season to be over and then is going to release a whole bunch of those because Jericho you know, Banks podcast, like, weeks and months in advance. Like, I remember the, um, what the hell was it? Like, Hoovy was on, like, a month ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. And Hoovy was on a, and I, one would assume it was recorded when Hoovy was in AEW, and that was, like, two months ago. All right. And, you know, one can only imagine how much Jericho has in the can and what was recorded on the cruise and stuff and when that stuff will come out so well i think the way they did the last ones it wasn't they didn't run them back to back like that they there was like that after show they did for a little bit that was kind of weird that they'd have the whoever the show was on about or like they would like discuss stuff after the fact but it was like a guy third party guy that like was just kind of a fan he didn't really know anything and it was all done like remote because of covid but then they also had like you said the conrad podcast which those came out after the fact and they were videotaped and they broke them down into like half hour episodes and they released them on their own like they were like a whole nother like series that they released after the fact so i'm wondering if those won't come like early next year to get you hyped for the next season maybe next fall well, no, no. So I get what you're saying with the um, when they re-aired the episodes and it was kind of like the director's cuts for mm-hmm. the previous season. And that was the stuff with Conrad. But oh, okay. on, on the Double J feed for last season, every Friday or it was no last season, it was J, it was the JR feed. And then it moved over to the Double J feed where it was like beyond Dark Side of the Ring. And those would come out like Friday afternoon after the Thursday episodes. And it would be Conrad with the two guys. And it'd be like an hour, hour and a half podcast talking about like all that crazy shit. Like I'll never forget them going like super deep into their dealings with Jacques Rougeau 
uh, for the Bulldogs episode, the Dynamite Kid episode, you know? Okay. And I just like how, how not difficult, but how interesting Jacques was to deal with and how they kind of sort of knew the story that was told. And then when Jacques comes out with all this other stuff, they're like, okay, like we really need to like research any of this because this is the first time that we're hearing any of this. So we can't put it in the show because the narrative is so known about this particular incident. All this stuff that Jacques has now added that like he's never mentioned in shoot interviews before. He's never mentioned in any other interviews before, but they love having Jacques on because he's such a character. Mm -hmm. I didn't know they actually did full on podcasts. I thought it was literally a video show. I haven't listened to a Conrad podcast in almost two years now. I, I, with those i liked them but they got to the point where like tony Schiavone was just doing rap because that was more entertaining than them doing like ecw breakdowns and i'm like i'm kind of over this and then like it it took up too much time like there'd be three four hour podcasts and i'm trying to like just listen to them when i drive back and forth to work and like so i just cut it out and just listen to like all like my friends podcasts and like people like that i like i listen to yours on fridays that you're my friday like go to to get through my fridays um like stacy will release stuff every so often through super fantastic and those are like really cool to have and then like i have my thursday wrestling cheers wednesday pod van dam tuesday aiw and like mondays if if you catch my griff drop something on the weekend i wait and listen to it on monday so i have like mm-hmm. my week of podcasts i listen to like one podcast a day so that's i i couldn't add have all the conrads plus all those in there like i could probably do it but i just too much wrestling i'll tell you why i stopped looking to the conrad podcast when i tried to look into bruce pritchard and conrad would say one thing and it was like a little minor note the obscure that everybody fucking know and pritchard be like oh fuck dave milker he doesn't be talking about like Dude, I literally fucking knew that without talking to Dave Melker, like the common goddamn knowledge. Don't stop the stop your fucking FDM bullshit. It got old years ago. I still like Bruce. I still listen to Bruce. Like I was excited today uh, when the Mid South Memories one showed up, and Bruce I, is al- Bruce is almost at the point where he's kind of like a Jim Cornette, where I don't want to hear him talk about wrestling that happened prior to like two thousand one. Um, you know, like so, Conrad or Conrad and Bruce talking about f- for three hours about like 1984 to 1986 Mid South. You know, Bill Watts promotion. Like, sign me up. Like, I love that sort of stuff. Yeah, I um, do want to look into that one, but I love the Houston Wrestling Epicode. I love the Global Epicode. I love the, the the Houston Wrestling one is so good. Yeah, and the so I I fell out of Tony for a while because. The, the same reasons you mentioned, Char, like the rap and all that other bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. But this year, they're doing like as close they can off the network, week by week, 1986, Jim Crockett promotions. So you don't really have to watch along because they play all the promos and like Tony tells some really interesting stories of stuff that was going on around that time. And like, I know I, I got to mention on my show this week, but like, it was just so interesting of how they had to deal with the TV with with and around the Magnum TA accident, right? Where they already had like a week or two in the can of TV that aired like when Magnum already had the accident. And it's just like, you have to think, it was 1986. Like, unless you were in Charlotte, you didn't know that accident happened. Like that was, there was no internet. There was no like, whatever. Like it didn't make the newsletters. And then even still like, who's getting a newsletter 
1986. So it was just kind of interesting of Tony Schiavone, like talking about how they had to deal with that and like what Dusty did and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I gave up on Arn. I, I never listened to Bischoff. And uh, I like the Double J podcast, you know, um, when he talked about like there was like four episodes that they did about like the first like the building of TNA. It's so interesting. Um, Everybody tells so me I need you, to like, check that one out because yeah, I've never yeah, listened definitely. to it. Okay. But I listen to a lot of podcasts. I work from home uh, a lot of time in between, uh, you know, what I do for my super secret science job. I have time to listen. Then I run into stuff where I have to watch stuff for my comic book podcast, and then I have to watch wrestling and stuff, and then sometimes podcasts fall behind. And it's one of those things where, like, a like if it's time-sensitive, like, three or four built up, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. And then, like, I, sometimes I'll, like, do yard work, but, like, now it's, like, cold and rainy, so I can't. Or, like, the last, like, week I've been closing the pool, like, doing that slowly but surely. So while I'm out there doing that sort of shit, I'm, like, listening to whatever I can. Um, but you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there to listen to. Yeah. And it's, I've been finding, like, I just, I like my, my local group of people that I like, you know, that we all kind of have our little, uh, group that we kind of stick together on. And I just, I like listening to those and, you know, if I, if something else comes up, maybe I'll listen to, I tried like going back and listening to other stuff that I used to listen to, like for a while, uh, when I was at work, I worked in, a building instead of like putting kits together in the warehouse. Like I do now, I would actually sit and assemble uh, parts and that was super duper boring. So I could listen to like podcasts all day and I would mm -hmm. listen to like last podcast on the left. And I would just like download like 10 of those and like, just go through those or I got into Taz's podcast and then it ended or his like radio show that like they, yeah. they were turned into a pocket. And I agreed with him so much on stuff. It was so weird. I was like, I, I figured I'd like, hate him because he probably had like an old school mentality but then like he'd be talking about stuff and i'm like yeah yeah exactly taz exactly and then it makes so much sense now that he works for for aew i'm like yeah that makes sense because he has like the right sensibilities to to work there so it's crazy because taz had that reputation from his ecw days of just being like this miserable prick you mm -hmm. know and you got to see like some of i guess like his jokier side or his softer side if you will on commentary and WWF and TNA and everything else like that. And then after TNA, he was just like kind of done, you know, he wasn't popping up anywhere. He wasn't doing signings or anything else like that. So when he did, as you mentioned, show up in AEW, it's like, holy shit, look at this, you know? And it's so interesting to see him out of that group of guys from ECW as the most current day sensibility and who gets it. And I think a lot of that is that he has a kid um, you know, kind of uh, time stamp it when we're recording this. Uh, his son Hook, who's in wrestling and trained to be re a wrestler and all that sort of stuff, where your guys like a Dreamer or Raven or Ray Deadly or any of these guys, they don't have a next generation person in their family that they can get into the business. Either they, the, like, either they left the business, the business left them, or they just tried to do. 1995 to 1999 wrestling their entire lives. Mm -hmm. I, I will say Tam probably cut my favorite promo of all time in EKW. He's going back and forth with Steve Carino and he, and he swears and he beep it on TV and Carino's like, okay, Tad, just go ahead and swear. Tad go, okay. And that's like 45 second streak of nothing but a beat after that. <laughs> I remember that. That was good stuff. 
I really wish like there was somewhere online that I could watch all the ECW and not have to, to like try to battle with Peacock to watch it. There is, is there, there is, we might have to discuss this off the air because I've been really itching for the last, Oh, I don't know couple months about this and my big thing is i really want to watch bam bam's run in ecw because mm-hmm. i've only i want to say i've only seen maybe two or three matches two at, i know for sure at least two one against taz or maybe both of them against taz and then one against rvd and i feel like I, there's there's got to be more there that i like pr- probably really like so yeah, I will say as much as I was looking forward to Bam Bam against Shane Douglas at that one pay-per-view. God, that match was not good. Uh, yeah, I think Shane was super hurt, though. Yeah, um, I, thought that, I thought they were reeking for it, but they gave that match like almost 30 minutes. And it was just like, I know it's the main event. You've got it. You have time you have to fill, but they should something should have gone longer early. Yeah. Um, I might just you know, but like too. my 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 air, like I love ECW man, and like a lot of the stuff I remember a lot more than others. Uh, but ninety four to ninety seven is like my time, especially ninety five to ninety six. Like I I hold, or I would hold, let's say April of ninety five ECW to oh boy, like November of ninety six, like that, like eighteen month period, whatever that is. I hold that up against any other 18-month stretch of professional wrestling, any promotion, any other time. It's just so watchable, so interesting. Um, And yes, it's like the wrestling I grew up on, but, you know, I grew up on WWF. I grew up on WCW. uh, I grew up on all these other things, but, like, that ECW stuff, like, when you're 18 to 20 and that exists and it's hitting for you right at the right time and all these guys are coming in and so many times... You know, like I know when Dreamer would come and do Chikara shows, he'd be like, oh, you know, so many people try to be ECW. And, you know, if somebody said that Chikara was the new ECW, you'd say that they were crazy. Um, But he kind of like put it into perspective. And at the time, I kind of sort of agreed with him. And I know everyone says now that GCW is the new ECW. And, you know, your your opinions may vary in those regards. Um, But if I was a promotion running today, um, I would strive to be like the new WWF or other, or like I'd strive to be the new TNA. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like TNA has outlived everyone. And like, even though TNA had like a lot of dumb stuff happen uh, through it during its entire run, it's still here, man. It's still viable. It's still, you know, in a top five promotion. Um, whatever's going to happen with Ring of Honor in the next uh, six months, you know, Six months from now, I can tell you TNA will still be around. And again, it's Impact now, but it'll always be TNA. Right. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd strive to be the new TNA, you know, just kind of chugging along, maybe under a lot of people's radar, having a very loyal fan base, making enough money to pay people decently enough that they don't have to work other places. Um, you know, ECW died, man. They burned out bright. So if you want to be the new that, I guess, then keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, you know. I have some some opinions on GCW. I, I try not to say much about them. Um, <laughs> I, I I said what I said. Yeah. You know it. Uh, but yeah, like um, that era of ECW. Like there, there's so many interesting things. Like my era, really, what's what's funny is like I I was into wrestling in '98, like early '98, late '97s when I got into it. I remember my first episode of Raw 
was when Stone Cold threw the Intercontinental title off the bridge. Mm-hmm. So I remember that very specifically. And um, so, like, I knew about ECW because that was, you know, the, the, the real wrestling. And um, I remember being on TNN, and I remember, like, always forgetting to check it out. And I watched a couple of episodes of it, and, I like, the ones I really remember is, like, I think it was Mike Awesome and Masada Tanaka, just, like, the amount of crazy shit they did in this match. And they, like, he did a top rope awesome bomb, and, like, I was, like, going insane watching this. Like, I'd never seen anything like it before, and it was, like, the coolest fucking thing in the world. That and RVD was, like, the coolest guy to me for the longest time. And uh, then, like, them showing up in, like, WWF and everything was really cool. And, like, I got to go to Invasion, and that was really cool. And, oh, that's awesome. Um, it's it's so weird. Like, the amount of people that, like, go to AIW or, like, are involved in AIW like damn near a whole room of us could put our hands up that we were there for invasion. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm in, I'm in that group. Yeah. And so many of us, it's ridiculous. And that's um, that's awesome. Like that's, you know, a lot of people will argue, you know, let's say, uh, definitely top 10 because WWE does a lot of pay-per-views. Um, definitely, uh, top 10, maybe top five WF pay-per-view of all time. Is that invasion pay per view? You know, yeah, and no, and nobody remembers it being that good because the angle like a whole fuck. But that pay per view was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I know. I recently revisited it. Um, just it's like I don't know. Like I, it was like the what was it the twenty anniversary twenty year anniversary of it? Maybe it was like over the summer. Yeah, yeah. And first of all, there's like seventeen matches. Like and I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but there's like a ton of matches on the card. It's a huge packed card. And you forget, it's like, oh my god, like, this match was on here, this was a really good match. Oh my god, this match was on here, this is a really good match. And then you get, like, that Jeff Hardy versus RVD match, which is, like, unreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was probably the only person... the closing angle, the main event was still pretty good, too, you know? I, I was probably the only, like, one of the only few people that was a Jeff Hardy fan, like, cheering for him against RVD at that time. And, like, I was so bummed that RVD beat him because I wanted Jeff to overcome RVD. Even though I liked RVD, still like Jeff Hardy more at the time. And, uh, but it did make me a big RVD fan later on. So, but uh, I don't know if any of, like, of those, do they have the, the matches from Heat that they, like, had on there, too? I think there was, like, Billy Kidman against Chavo. Or the like, only the only match that was on Heat for that show was Chavo against Scotty Too Hottie. Okay, that was the Heat match. Okay, which that's the only time in history that they've actually counted the Heat match as the, part of the storyline recall for the show. They kicked five WCW. They made a kick five Alliance. They went, the Alliance won the invasion, and nobody was counting it because of fucking Heat. Well, the the ramp wasn't finished when they were filming Heat. The, right. le- the left side wasn't done yet. They were still like literally working on it during commercials to like drill them, like put in the, the, the boards for the V. So like they, both guys had to enter on the right side, which was like the, I think the WWE side or something. And, uh, it was really funny watching them like scramble to try to get that like built and like drilling stuff and like getting it all put together while like stuff was happening and like filming around it. It was really interesting. I think the best part about that was like, even though RVD had a big contingent of fa- uh, fans, Jeff Hardy still got a pretty good reaction. Oh, but you yeah. get the Billy Kidman against X-Pac, and nobody liked X-Pac. Like, a WWF crowd just hated X-Pac when she for Kidman. It's like, what the hell? 
Well, X Pac had that go away. I like X Pac the whole time. Like, I don't understand the, the hate he's ever gotten. Like, I love X Pac. And, like, he's my number one, like, meet and greet guy I want to meet so fucking bad. And, like, I ran he into. He's really fucking cool, by the way. I, I met him at Deal Kitty Con a couple of years ago. He is really fucking cool to talk to. We also ran into him how many times during All in Weekend. And I, and, like, I just said hi. Like, I was real cordial. Like, I didn't bother him about anything. And I should have. I should have bothered him. And because uh, he was just chilling around, like with his dog, like just hanging out. And I'm just like, and I'd be like, hey, what's up? And, you know, that was it. Like, I didn't want to, like, bother him, but I probably could have. And he probably uh, kicked myself for that. Growing up, uh, my mom was a big wrestling fan. Uh, you know, my dad kind of fell out of it, but he was a fan in like the 70s. Uh, you know, where we are in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre area, like WWF would run here regularly at the uh the cyc the scranton youth center but they also did like shows at like the big uh high school football field as well and he got to see like bruno san martino versus larry zabisco haystacks calhoun stuff like that but when me and my brothers were of that age to be going to shows my mom would be the one that took us all and then as my brothers grew out of it you know if you grew up during that time in the 80s you know like everyone was into wrestling up until like the early 90s and then everyone fell out and then nwo and attitude era brought everyone back in and then after like the invasion stuff everyone kind of fell out and there's like peaks and valleys you know but like i was always into it i never stopped and my mom never stopped either and during the attitude era like she loved like dx and stuff like road dog billy x-pac so when we had shows for chikar and we'd have all these different guests in the first person I ever got the picture with, and I'm like, hey, can I get a picture with you, was Waltman. And it was just because that was, like, one of my mom's favorite wrestlers. <laughs> and she got such a kick out of it that we were on a show. And, you know, my mom was not a traveling person, you know, growing up. Uh, everything was, like, back roads. Like, I didn't know that there was interstates in the area I lived in until I got a license and could drive on my own. Because <laughs> my mom just didn't drive them, you know? Um so, you know, we were trying to convince her to go to the, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the show that Waltman was on in Philly for King of Trios that weekend. And she's like, I just can't be in a car for two hours, you know? Um, but yeah, like, I, I think to myself, of all the times of all the shows that I ever did, um, I've only gotten pictures with three people. Uh, one was for my mom and the other two were for me. And the others were uh, Terry Funk at the AIW show. And when Danielson got let go by WWF and then he did like the indie run mm -hmm. and I got to call him at the Chikara shows and I got to call him at the Dragon Gate USA show where it was him and Moxley uh, in like a weird like all over the brawl like in this like all over the building brawl in, like this weird little theater and like that was when kind of everyone knew that was going to be his last shot you know mm -hmm. um, I'm like hey man I go. I go, I hate to do this. Like, we had talked a bunch of times before, just, like, small talk and stuff, like, hey, what's up? What are you doing? What are you reading? This, that, the other thing. Because he's a reader backstage. He'd always okay. be reading shit. And one time I saw him reading some comic book, some sort of, like, um, it was actually a comic called, um, shit. Uh, it was, like, it was a, it was a wrestling independent comic called, like, Super Pro OK Go or some shit like that. And I had actually heard of it. I'd heard it talked about on a comic book podcast. And I'm like, hey, uh, you're reading that. I heard the, a writer on a podcast. 
I go, is it any good? And he's like, oh, it's really good. Did you want to, he goes, did you want to borrow it? And I'm like, no, no, I, if it's good, I'll just buy it on my own. You know, I like to support things. And he was, oh, it's really good. It's really funny, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I asked him for a picture and it, like him and Moxie were like, they, they both were busted open to the match. So he's like all bloody with the bandage on his head. Like here I am with a big goofy smile. He's got the big goofy <laughs> smile. Um, but like, I've got like pictures of, and then like, I've got pictures with myself and like Kingston and you know, other people like that. But like, let's say guests, guests in the world of professional wrestling, you know, like the people that aren't the regulars at the promotion, when they come in, I get the, like, those are the only three I've ever gotten pictures with. Right on. I think. I think the only guest I've gotten a uh, picture with at a show, we brought Hackhaw Jim Duggan in one night. I got a picture with him backstage. I think that's the only time we've ever had a guest that I even asked. Gotcha. And that's like, I wasn't even the first time. I met Duggan a few times before that. I just never got the picture anywhere else. Like, well, you're here. Can we just do that? I yeah. go, he, he can get gear. I'm in my gear. We're taking the picture. Well, I know at Trio's 2012, it would have been. It would have been 2012. Yes, uh, my wife uh, brought my kid, and he was only like 10 or 11 months old at the time, and we went around and we got his picture with a bunch of people, and it was like everyone that we knew, from like Batiri to Hollow Wicked, but then he's also got pictures of like Too Cold Scorpio and my kid, and uh, Kikataro and my kid, Daniels and Kazarian and my kid, Tatanka and my kid, and like, he didn't know who they were then. I show him the pictures now and he don't know who they are. Um, <laughs> but it was just something funny. It was like, oh, my kid getting a picture with all these wrestlers, you know? Right on. We kind of got off the track of things. Plugs? What's on uh, IWTV this week? Yeah, we never had over that. Yeah, I was just going to like completely like just leave it out at this point because we've been talking for 40 <laughs> minutes. Oh, okay. So I'm like, yeah, there's, you know, like you can go to, to independentwrestling.tv and they got the, the list there. You can check it out this week. This is going to be a special, uh, not so much of a guy. Okay. Um, uh, I was going to say, cause, uh, you know, they got the two, um, uh, beyond as the two shows and is the Thursday show that hot sauce is on. Hot I, sauce, Tracy Williams. I am not sure. Let me look. Uh, I know broski's on the Sunday show. Yeah. Uh, Thursday show is Trisha Dora defending the Pan African World Four Championship against Jordan Blade. Matt McCowski, Tracy Williams can come my final. Well, that second from the top, whether they put it on second from last, I don't know. Sure, sure. But I, I get such a kick out of Broski doing Beyond. Uh, <laughs> if you recall the little back and forth that uh, Brian Myers had with Drew uh, <laughs> uh, about a year or so ago. I believe I believe I remember that because because I do I have uh, I only have four bookmark well three now um, f uh, but let's say three bookmark tweets and that's one of them <laughs> where Brian is like she told Drew to go fuck off <sighs> when it was because if you remember Broski was supposed to do beyond the first time and the show got canceled because it was like a, t a tornado or some shit coming to the area right Hur hurricane I think yeah hurricane uh yeah. so as they're building it up uh like they if you listen to the major wrestling figure podcast and Broski's going to all his plugs wherever he he'd be doing brian would talk either like the first time he tried to plug beyond brian just talked over him <laughs> and then the next time uh like uh broski and marky are like oh yeah beyond blah, blah blah it'll be a great time it'll be this that the other thing and brian just like dead silence nothing gives him nothing he's like all right moving on <laughs> there's some good matches on this card looking at the one for sunday 
Yeah, yeah. Well, Sundays is a pretty snacked show. We yeah, well, Cardona could get Teddy Good, which was the match on Capone to happen last time before the hurricane canceled it. So that's going on. You didn't Cobb in the main event. I, I was more excited for Max the Impaler versus Megan Bain and Bear Country versus the main event. Yeah. Yeah, um, Megan Bain coming out of nowhere 2021, huh? She was on that WWR Plus show, uh, the the first one of those, and I really liked her from that. I th- she had a really good look gimmicks kind of whatever but I, I was really impressed i really liked her out of it um there's some other women on there i really enjoyed too but she was one of the ones that stuck out to me so like i instantly like followed her i was like you know checking all her stuff what? out i think she won the uh ecwa women's super eight this year and that was like the first time that she really got on anyone's radar and then she just kind of like started like snowballing from there kind of picking up some momentum there um i know that you said you do that like the gimmick is kind of whatever mm-hmm. but i'll say this like you could explain what that gimmick is to someone oh absolutely you know and i think that helps a lot of people going uh, a long way um because there's unfortunately a lot of people on the indies who are just like a dude or just like a girl or just like you know a person mm-hmm. and it's tough to kind of narrow down what their gimmick is and she has a very clear and defined gimmick um and she has size and she's not terrible, which is always positives. Um, and I always laugh. Uh, almost a bookmark tweet. Uh, not at that show, but I think they wrestled somewhere else. Uh, oh, they've wrestled at the um, Beyond Beach show, right? And after the match, I guess it was uh, uh, Megan Bain and Erica Lee. And then afterwards, <laughs> Erica just tweeted out. She goes, I want another piece of that big Greek bitch. <laughs> like, oh <my> <laughs> That's so ridiculous. And I know Erica through social media. I know her through the bore. And I got a chance to meet her briefly at the uh, Let's Hang Out show, the Real Rumble show over the summer. And, uh, you know, she's she's another one. I think um, size is on her side. And I'm not saying, like, you know, I hate to be one of these people. It's like, oh, you got to be big in the world of professional wrestling. But, you know, like, Kaya McKenna is another one. Like, Kaya McKenna is tall. Like, she's probably, like... Five nine five ten, which is pretty big for an indie wrestler, let alone a women indies wrestler. Mm-hmm. And Kaya McKenna is another one that's got like a defined gimmick. You know, she's a good witch, and you know, it's it, it's good to see some people that have a little bit more athleticism. I don't want to be a person that said that we need more athletes in the world of professional wrestling because we just need people who like wrestling in the world of professional wrestling. If you're an athlete, that helps you not get hurt and you not hurt somebody else um but i like seeing people doing like more of a defined gimmick i guess would be more so athlete notwithstanding but a defined clear gimmick that it's easy to understand that when i see this person come through the curtain and they get into the ring i'm like i understand what this person is yeah i mean like there's a certain level of cheese to it but i think that's what works like it doesn't yes. ha- not everything has to be like cutting edge and like you know, all dark one way or the other, like real edgy or whatever. It could, you could do something basic like that. She looks like a Greek goddess, like holy shit. So it works. Yeah. And, um, and you talk about dark and edgy or whatever it is. And again, this is not a knock on her, but, you know, Abaddon uh, in AEW, you mm-hmm. know, she was one of the people that I think was on before the pandemic. It was a lot. It was a TV out in Colorado and she kind of like toiled on the indies there for a while she got a look and i'll be honest with you she'll probably admit this she probably wasn't the best 
but she probably got a look because she had a very clearly defined gimmick. Like mm-hmm. you look at her coming to the ring and you understand what her deal is. And she has busted her ass over the last like two plus years to like make her gimmick more clearly defined, become better in the ring, which is going to be a positive because a gimmick is only going to last you so long. Right. A gimmick is going to get you a look. But if you're just a gimmick after six months, a year, two years, then eventually it's going to be what else you got now, you know? All right. And that's what's really interesting, too, is like seeing a lot of these the, the, the female talent come up now is how quickly they're just i mean they're not long on the indies before they're getting snatched up by by places because that that female talent like is so hard to come by so like there's a lot of promotions that you know we always mention aiw and like their women's division and how basically it's retired until Shayna comes back and like that kind of thing but like honestly if you think about it like you we have this great crop right now that like you know a lot of these women that we see on wwr plus but like trisha dora all these people like they were all getting snatched up signed up and everything now unfortunately with roh are releasing everybody out of that but i still don't i i honestly i feel like trisha dora is like one that could absolutely go to aew like i know um megan bain was definitely on a bunch of aew dark and everything like that and like has definitely had looks from them so like she could absolutely go there when they're ready to like build that division more um i mean there's there's the talent is just like getting snatched up so quick before they can really even become like the queens of the indies and stuff like that so it's like i'm curious how that talent influx is gonna eventually like is it gonna get to the point where it is with men where like there'll be more time or is it always gonna be one of those things where like they run that mill really quick on, on the female side of things so i'm gonna guess and again obviously i can't speak for them because i don't have the relationship uh like that with him but one would have to look at shimmer with dave frazak you know um more promotions should try to be like that and you know as much as women's wrestling i think has come along in just you know the last let's say five years let alone the last 15 to 20 years um unfortunately a lot of the fan base still sometimes looks at it as more of a sideshow or there might be promotions that'll just put women on the show regardless of quality just to feel almost like a quota which sucks for the promotion sucks for that woman sucks for good women that are out there sucks for the fans and so on and so forth but it took dave prazak a long time to build shimmer up to what it is and it's sadly even in 2021 it's mostly a dvd product it's mostly their separate streaming online product. You know, they don't sell out the building that they're in. And it's just still a tough product to really get through. And I know even Thorne, if you go back and look at some of those girls' night out shows, especially a lot of those early ones, they were huge DVD sellers. But the crowd would be very sparse, sadly. Um, something's going to click. And I had said this, you know, years ago when... Before AEW, I think it was maybe like not this brand split, but definitely the one before. What if WWE just decided to make like Raw or SmackDown an all women show? This may have been like right around the time that like Evolution, the the, the women's Evolution show happened on WWE. Mm-hmm. Maybe shortly after that. Yes, that's, that's probably what it was. It was the women's Evolution show, and then it was like maybe as the hype for that was coming up. They have so much women's talent, like, currently on the roster, in NXT at the time. You know, you can get, you know, your Trishes and your Litas and your Victorias from the past in, like, various roles. But, like, 
hey, what's it going to hurt turn SmackDown into an all-women show for six months or a year? Or it becomes a huge success, and now SmackDown is just a women's show. Right. And I think that would help the general populace still take and consider women's wrestling to be much more important that I feel and a lot of other people feel that it should be. Yeah, I feel like the 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 when that kind of comes up and like you know this the discussion goes to like the, the girls' night out shows, it's very much there is a very certain type of fan that is like all aboard those kind of shows, the all women shows and that kind of stuff. I think that's slowly expanding to like where normal fans can or like fans of, of the mainly male wrestling can absolutely be like okay, these women can go and I enjoy this as well, but maybe not all the women's like an all women's show. But like, I feel like there's definitely room to grow there because for the longest time, a lot of the, the women talent, um, there, there, there wasn't anybody, I feel like training them well enough. So they wouldn't go as hard as the men and everything would always look sloppy and it never looked great. And you know, there's a lot of women that have improved so much in time and like now it's a thing. And like a lot of these women, there's a handful of them that are better than a lot of the men. And, um, I think that just shows like that talent just needed to get that boost. And eventually they're going to, you know, be right up there with the men or possibly even surpass them if they keep, you know, building like, I don't know how often I see stuff um, gift from Japan, like the Japanese women's wrestling, even from like the nineties where they're doing all this crazy shit. And I'm just like, where have these women been like in the U S all this time, the Japanese women are going absolutely bonkers and like having these hard hitting, like crazy matches. And like the women's matches in the U S have never been like that until like really recently. Well, will we see those? And it's so weird. I think AEW has done a lot to kind of help that, you know, mm-hmm. giving, you know, and everyone, and listen, I'll be the first one. I should on AEW's women, like the way the women's stuff is booked. And it definitely goes through peaks and valleys of how the stuff is pre- presented on TV. But they have a great roster. You know, I, even when there was the rumors, even before the new title, the TBS title was announced. And everyone's like, oh, do they have a good enough roster? And like off the top of my head, I can name you eight people to throw into a tournament that are unbelievable remarkable women's athletes that they have on that show then you want to fill out it i I go give me a couple minutes and i could figure out eight more give me a couple more minutes and i can give you a 24 person tournament that we could put together and that's going to put that's going to give you minimally once that tournament is done like six to seven great matches Mm -hmm. because they do have a lot of great women on there it's just i think they've just been trying to find the footing of it um you know i think they've just had a lot of people They've gone through some cycles of different people who are agenting stuff or in charge of stuff or whatever it is. And I think right now they found that sweet spot with allowing Britt Baker to have the matches that she has and kind of carry the promotion as the champion, heel champion, you know, mostly through promos. And then you have all these people on the come up giving people like an Anna Jay, Penelope Ford, uh, Bunny etc time to grow and build themselves people like tay conti who is kind of sort of there people like chris statlander who's kind of sort of there and they just need like that whatever and then like now with the signing of ruby soho with emmy sakura on the thing with hikaru shida on the show uh with the serena deeb stuff this past week like those two matches that were on tv the serena deeb um uh hikaru shida matches were unfucking believable like not like 
they're really good for women's matches. No, no, those were unfucking believable wet wrestling matches. Period. Yep. Yeah, and like they just need to get like they need to find the groove and they need to stay in the groove. And I think they found the groove. They just got to stick with the course. And obviously, a lot of it, you know, was also they were trying to book shows through a pandemic and. People just weren't available, whether they couldn't come into the country or they didn't want to wrestle. You know, we don't know whatever what was going on with everyone and everything. But like I said, I think they have the groove. They found it. They need to stay in it. I think a lot of the issue, at least early on with the AEW women division as well, was it not even so much as women were unknown, but people had their mind made up about some of the women they were pushing early on and really give them a chance. And yeah, I mean, Nyla Rue can clean a example for, yeah. For whatever reason, people were we're not going to give Nyla Rook a chance. We know what that reason was for the most part. But, like, they weren't going to give her a chance. She's really fucking good if you give her a chance. She really is. But just, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was just, I don't want to feed this person for this reason, so I'm going to immediately say the stupid as fuck, and I don't want it. Yeah, I think, like, she absolutely plays the monster role great. I, I, I enjoy her. Like, I don't understand... I guess I'll never understand uh, people's reasons for, for being, you know, bigots and whatever, but... Um, I just, I think that their, yeah, their women's division coming in early was a lot of unknown, but they also had a lot of like that Japanese talent that could get, could actually fucking go. And then like, obviously like, you know, it wasn't even six months before the pandemic hit and it kind of just ended it right there. So now we're kind of starting to see some people like come back around like Hikaru Shida, like props to her for coming over and like sticking it out during the pandemic and like making a name for herself because i mean she has a figure now because she you know she was a name for for real hot men and she's really built a name for herself in u.s women's wrestling and 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 wrestling in general like people know that name now and it's it's cool like it's cool to see those people absolutely and listen this is three white guys talking about women's wrestling right tons of other voices out there to go and listen to (laughs) regarding this don't take us this is just us having a free-form conversation um you know please uh i know listen i you know take take what we're saying with a grain of salt is all i'm saying we're just excited that's you know we're we're, we love wrestling we're excited for what could be and what you know what's going on that's that's yeah I just I love and because you know there's wrestling on that pretty much every day Monday through Friday now, mm-hmm. um, and my kid was like, "Oh, is there wrestling on all the time?" I go and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, "Yeah, there is. There is wrestling on like every day of the week." Like, so we're in the midst of like almost a golden age of professional wrestling. I want WWE to be good, mm-hmm. you know, because I want there to be like that sort of competition. I want NXT to be good. I want Impact to be good. So that these shows end up being can't miss shows that like shit, I have to watch Raw as it's happening live and I have to watch this while it's happening live. And, you know, sadly, I, you know, I can't. But a lot of times um, if I'm making a choice and just the way that my schedule ends up working, the stuff that I end up watching live mostly is AEW um, because it has the hot hand right now. I was making a point to watch it live for, for like a week. And that's as far as I made it. And then I started like, then I was like a day behind on watching them. Cause, cause I didn't want to stay up that late. Usually like I'm in bed at like nine or 10. So <laughs> I, I've instantly become like gone into old man mode anymore. Like I got to be up in the morning and I'll, I'll lay in bed and be on my phone until midnight uh, instead of watching, staying up and watching wrestling in the living room. So 
Um, but I really need to watch Danielson and Eddie Kingston because I totally heard how good that was, and I still haven't watched oh. it yet. So, oh, God, that was so good. I'm going to try to watch it tonight after we get done with this. So hopefully uh, the TNT app didn't kick me off again because I haven't been on it uh, in a minute. It, w- it was being good for a while because I was on it every week. And if I'm not on it for like a week, it kicks me off, and then I have to have Jayhawk si- sign me back in. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I got kicked off. The, I got kicked off the TNT app when I did when I had to do the first Saturday night dynamite with the hockey. Mm-hmm. I watched Rampage on Friday night when I went to watch Dynamite. And the next fucking day, it had kicked me off. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I was literally just on the fucking app. Okay, so it's not just me. It just well, no. You would it's sign just, me up, and then random. I would never watch it. And then like I'd go to watch it finally. Like I wanted to watch like three episodes one day on a Saturday when I had nothing to do, and it's just like, oh no, you're not logged in. I'm like, come on, like why? Why are you doing this? This is stupid. <laughs> uh, I before Jay Hawk said anything, I was gonna say like. Yeah, you know, uh, Eddie and Brian was all right, uh, but uh, there's there's an in, like I always say a lot of times um, when there's something bad, right? And I'll say I don't need to stick my hand in a fire to know that it's hot, right? Mm-hmm. So like the the connotation there is like I don't need to do this bad thing to get and get burned to know that that fire was hot. But there needs to be some sort of inverse of it that like I don't need to watch. Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston go 25 minutes on national television to know that that match is good, but I'm still going to watch it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I could like, if, if I never watched that match and I just came on and said, yeah, you know, they beat the shit out of each other. There was a couple cool moments in it. And then there was like that big spot off the top rope. And, uh, you know, the match was awesome. You'd be like, yeah, Joe, watch that match and enjoyed it. I'm like, no, no, I just lied. And said, cause I know what those two guys do. <laughs> Um, did you have the post-match thing happen, uh, that happened, get spoiled on you as well? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't know. Like I, I, the only thing that, uh, I was in the, the discord, the PVD discord. And the only thing I heard somebody say was they really wanted Danielson versus Mox. So I was like, okay, I, but that's all I heard. I don't know like how far he is in the tournament where that's coming up. So I think that'll probably be the finals is going to be my guess. I don't know. I haven't, like I said, I haven't really watched. I've been really behind. I've been bad. So that's the thing. Um, you know, we have the finals to be decided on TV this week, which is going to be Moxley versus orange Cassidy. And the way that they've been building up Moxley, who's been just like plowing through his opponents in the tournament, like, can you say for sure he's going to beat Orange Cassidy? Because Orange Cassidy's role in the, in the show is kind of that of the spoiler that like he gets them when they're least suspecting it. And I'd like to see Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson versus John Moxley on pay per view. I'd also like to see uh, Orange Cassidy versus Brian Danielson on pay per view. If Brian Danielson won, um, but I will say this. Uh, there's a post-match thing that happens where they set up another pretty big match for the pay-per-view. Okay. I see. That's the cool thing. Like I am, these pay-per-views get me excited. WWE pay-per-views haven't gotten me excited in so fucking long. Like it's always like, Oh, there's a pay-per-view. Like it kills me. Like when, uh, how you can even attempt to name half the stuff on your show. When you, when you do the, does Joe know the cards? Because you, you say these matches and I'm just like, they're doing those interesting. I literally pay that much attention to that anymore. Like I hear, uh, Ed talk about, 
uh, NXT two point glow all the time and yeah. <laughs> how much he loves that. And everybody's like falling in love with that. And that's cool. It's just not for me anymore. Like I haven't no. even watched an episode no. and they're not falling in love with it. They're watching it ironically. Okay. It's yeah. Watching. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, Ed might actually like it because a lot of stuff is just occurred. But like every time I try to watch it, like they're okay. There's one good match on the show. I had to get through an hour and forty five minutes of absolute direct to get to the one thing I liked. I yeah, like uh, this. This past week they had Roderick Strong versus Odyssey Jones, and the match was fine. Yeah, and like I really liked the Malcolm Bivens promo before and afterwards. But Strong and Odyssey Jones had a better match on Two Hundred Five Live two weeks ago. Like, that's the world we live in. Like, there was a better version of this match on NXT on 205 Live. And that should not be the way the world is. I just, I don't know. I don't know what the heck's going on with that. It's just like I've said for a while, like, WWE's just basically become Disney. Like, WWF is just Disney wrestling at this point. And, like, they're like, oh, no, but see, NXT, they do swears and stuff, but then they pull back from that and they do less. And then they, like, they can't make up their mind what works and what doesn't there yet. And, like, like they did a bunch of swear on an episode of NXT, and then they have, I, I, I don't even want to call it NXT two point glow because it's like a couple too bright to be a glow taping. <laughs> like, they don't think they know what they want the show to be. But, but, yeah, but I think there they're might still be trying dancing. to figure it out. Yeah. If they come together and do a rap, then, you know. That's what I'm waiting for. That second week when all the heavyweight title contenders were in the ring at the same time. I'm like, oh, they're going to rap. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I was probably expecting that with all the Halloween party stuff they were doing this week. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, NXT, like, I haven't completely given up on it yet. I'm kind of just interested to see what's next for it. Um, you know, the the world in which toxic attraction is the top of the world. Um, they're all pretty terrible. <laughs> I started watching NXT when uh, Pac first got signed. Okay, he sure. The, so that was like the golden days. He was in the tag tournament with uh, something gray. I forget the guy's name, but his last name was Gray. And uh, was it August Gray, maybe? Maybe. And they won the belts. Or no, they didn't win the belts. They made it to like the second round. I don't remember. But then like they did the first NXT takeover. And like that was it for me. That was like, the, this is the best thing in the world. Like that's all I watched was NXT for the longest time. Cause that's, that was the best. And like, I would still watch, like pay attention to the Indies and go to indie shows and stuff and like watch PWG, but like NXT, that NXT. And then like, I want to say it's right before they got put on USA, like not maybe a month or two before that I was done. Like just, I couldn't, I didn't watch it anymore. I think because they moved enough people up to the main roster that I just there wasn't anybody or stories that I cared about at the time. And then just I let it fall off and it I don't miss it. Like I'd catch things here and there. I'd try to watch the takeovers, but it, Oliver Gray, Oliver Gray. OK, yeah, I just I tried to watch the takeovers because those usually produce a lot of cool stuff. But yeah, once like COVID hit, like it's really just. I really was just not into wrestling for a lot of the COVID times. And then like, I try to watch AEW stuff and like, they got me to at least watch like their pay-per-views and stuff. And I get really hyped for their pay-per-views, which that's getting back to what I was originally saying. Like, I love that AEW doesn't have a pay-per-view every month. So like we've had these storylines building since, you know, September. So like everything's been building for like two months, three months now before we get this pay-per-view and it's like i'm really excited to see these matchups 
And um, I think that's why Omega. Oh God, I'm sorry. I think that's why like they can just keep getting people in and it's not going to, I know everybody keeps saying, you know, they keep getting all these new people in and then it wears off. Then they got the next pop with somebody else new signing. And it's like, eventually, even once all that wears off, there's so many matchups that can happen that are just like dream matches because you're mixing like three eras of indie wrestling together on TV that like it's, it's unlimited. Like I, there's probably, I could probably sit right now, look at their roster and drop a list of over a hundred matches. I'd love to see that are probably like, maybe not even first time ever, but they'd be the first time on televisions or like, there's so much that can be done. Like, and you keep signing people, please keep doing it because we're just, we're just, it just makes it unlimited forever. Like just keep giving it to me. And you mentioned storyline playing out in September at this point, we're looking at uh, Omega and Page main event in the next pay-per-view, and that story's really been going on since AEW form, pretty much. You're looking at almost two years for that one building up. And what's really funny is, uh, not even a month ago, we really wanted Omega and Danielson to main event this show with an hour-long match, and we're getting uh, Kenny Omega and Page, and we're just as happy for that as we would have been with Omega and Danielson in an hour-long match. So what's that even tell you? Like, their, their roster is so good. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is is that they have this such diverse roster, and you know whether it be indie dream matches or matches we never thought we'd see, or combinations of people in the same company at the same time that is just like amazing, right? Where you know it looked as though we were going to get Danielson versus Kenny, and they're not giving it to us, but they're giving us like something of equal or lesser value that makes sense in storyline. Mm-hmm. They're not just giving us something different because they're giving us something different. A lot of times the moves that they make make sense. So it's difficult to argue with them. It's like, well, I wanted this match now. It's like, well, they've kind of built up this goodwill with us that like, we may not get this match today, but we're going to get this match eventually. Right. And it may not be the next pay-per-view. It may not even be the next pay-per-view after that. It might be on an episode of Rampage. Who knows? And I, I like that sort of um, kind of uncertainty in the world of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, Charlie, you mentioned during uh, the pandemic, a lot of people fell out of wrestling, of course. And I think uh, a big part of the reason WWE did, and a lot of people may have fallen off from WWE, is because, and, you know, the argument can be made, obviously, here we are, that it didn't pay off. But they essentially did, like, holding pattern wrestling. Mm-hmm. That we're just like, we're like, we're going to still have matches. It might be the same rematches every week for the next six months but we need to fulfill a contract and put things on tv um no one's going to go up the card and no one's going to go down the card it's just kind of kind of stay as is where aew took that opportunity for better or for worse and obviously today we could say for better that like we're gonna try to make some stars we're gonna try to do something different mm-hmm. and if something doesn't work we're gonna move on to something else we're not gonna be like well it's in the plans for it's on the booking sheet for the next six to eight weeks so we gotta stick with it like no two weeks we could tell this doesn't work you know usually if something's working or not working you could probably tell from the first time if it's working or not working but by the third time if it's not working you, you could you could change direction you could move on and i think that was a lot of what wwe did and does is they don't take those chances anymore. Or sometimes they take a chance and you know it's not going to pay off mm-hmm. or you know it's going to be an unsatisfying thing. Like, I know a lot of people were all upset this week uh, with SmackDown because they turned Shotzi Blackheart heel, okay? Um, 
Now, I have a friend of mine, I mentioned before, my friend Kyle, actually, you know, he's a buddy of mine from growing up, and he took his kid and his nephew to a SmackDown, got, you know, really good tickets through a nice third party, and he loved the show. And he is a dyed-in-the-wool, he's got, like, every being the elite Bullet Club shirt that you could possibly imagine, and he went to the SmackDown show, and he's like, it was awesome. And he goes, then I came home and I watched it on TV, and I'm like, this is what the problem is. The way that they shoot and present their stuff on TV, it's like a soulless product. Mm -hmm. If you can convince people to go see WWE Live, they would love it. But the problem is, WWE TV is such a sanitized product, which is supposed to be your advertisement to go see the live shows. But they're not a live show promotion. They're a TV product. Their live shows have been severely cut down. Their live shows are just, you know, not important, haven't been important, sadly, for a long time, mm-hmm. where AEW isn't running house shows, so they need to treat their TV like a live show, like a house show or whatever it is, where you get to see all this sort of stuff, where it's exciting, and that excitement that of the live crowd translates to the TV, and the excitement of a live WWE TV show does not translate like the, the the excitement of a live WWE event does not translate through the TV anymore. If WWE could figure that out and get that to translate through TV, I think they might have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I think if WWE would also kind of embrace the reactions they get instead of trying to force the reactions they want onto the TV. Yes. That would help that would help a lot as well. And I've been I don't know how many times I've been to a TV taper or I've been to a pay-per-view or the crowd got but they're but you know they're reacting the way the company doesn't want them to react, and so you watch it on TV when you get home, and it's like they muted the hell out of it because oh my god, they booed so and so, they can't do that. Like embrace it, pivot based off of that, like how it used to be done in the '80s. Jimmy Snuka's not going to be a baby fake in 1982 if you go, well, he's supposed to be a heel, and they're booing him, so you count out. No, they embrace the fact that he was getting cheered, and they turned a baby fake. He was the hottest baby fake in 1983. Probably a bigger baby fake than Backlund, who had the belt at the time. Right. And, you know, I mentioned my buddy, he was saying, uh, and we're using the Shotzi thing as a reference. If you go and you watch the Shotzi thing on TV, when she comes out, she kind of gets like, you know, a reaction, a mixed reaction. And then when she turns on Sasha, spoilers for SmackDown from this past week, and she hits Sasha from behind, like the crowd reacts. You hear the crowd react negatively. They boo because, you know, even though Sasha was just recently a heel, she's a character that's been on TV for a while, so the crowd is going to pop for her. My buddy said live. When Shotzi came out, she got a huge reaction. And when she attacked Sasha and laid her out, it was le- it was less of booze and it was more of a shocked reaction because there were kids there that loved the whole look and the feel and the everything of Shotzi, which is exactly what they're supposed to do because mm-hmm. she looks cool, you mm-hmm. know? And the cra- the kids in the crowd got into her, but you did not hear that on TV. Um, And then when she turned on Sasha, they wanted you to know that you're supposed to boo her now, so they just the fake booze in for TV. Um, like I said, if they just let the crowds be themselves and let that come across on TV and that excitement comes across you to the TV, the next time WWE comes to your town, whether it's TV or a live show, you're going to want to go. And I look at it this way as um, well. Vince McMahon's favorite line for 40 years have been, well, the fans dictate who becomes a star. The fans dictate what we do. What was the last time you actually watched a show and felt that way? Maybe when they forced Daniel Bryan to main event WrestleMania that year, they pissed everybody off that bad that they couldn't ignore it. But beyond that, I can't think of anything in the last 10 years. They, um, Becky Lynch. Yeah, Becky to a point, yes. 
Because if you remember when Becky turned on Charlotte at SummerSlam, um, they had her position to be a heel. Mm -hmm. And the crowd was just not having it, man. And it was, you know, she turns on Charlotte. They they cheer. And then the next night, it, or, or the next time that they were together was on SmackDown. And Becky comes out and cuts this huge heel promo. And she's like, oh, the fans turned their backs on me. And the crowd starts chanting, no, we didn't. Like the and it took another week after that for before WWE is like fine like fuck it we're just gonna make her a babyface if this is what they want and you know you mentioned the Daniel Bryan thing and the Daniel Bryan thing they had to be WWE had to be dragged kicking and screaming and as much as it sucks to say if the shit that year with Punk didn't happen we may not have gotten the Daniel Bryan push that we got in WWE right yep if Punk didn't leave we would have got Punk and Triple H at WrestleMania. And we would have got Daniel Bryan, like, maybe not even on the card. It would have been Randy Orton versus Batista one-on-one for the title. Well, the, the rumor went Daniel Bryan against Sheamus that year. And I thought that would have been, what, the fourth time they fucking ran with that at WrestleMania? Right. And so that's and- another thing is WrestleMania is supposed to be these once-in-a-lifetime matches or culminations of these big rivalries or whatever it is. Or even if it's people that have wrestled before, like, maybe they're wrestling for a title now. And this is the reason why. Um... But to just sh- throw like a talent like Brian Danielson in there in just like a nothing match, and there's not a knock on Sheamus, but again, they had nothing going on at the time. It was just like, how could we get these two guys on the card? It's like, okay. And like, I get if that's how you got to get these guys on fast lane, but that's not how you should get these guys on WrestleMania. And that Brian thing, like everybody and their dog came into that Royal Rumble going, Brian had to win it. He's the only guy that got any momentum. He had to win it. And to the point that even Mick Foley went, what the hell are you doing? And he destroyed his TV on Twitter because Daniel Bryan wasn't even in the match, much less didn't win the thing. Yeah, and- listen, I'm I'm a Mick Foley fan. I love Mick to death. Uh, that may have been a little performative on Mick. I'm sure part. it would. Yeah. I'm sure it would. But at the same time, like, uh, yeah, you've got guys within the business going, this is where you need to go with it. Listen to the crowd. And they weren't doing that. Yeah. So you bring that up. How soon until we see Mick Foley in AEW? I'm surprised that hacking happened already, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. I know, they do have the show coming up in Long Island, what, next month? Okay, he might show up there, hometown. Get that cheap uh, pop. <laughs> I, I, could, I could see a Mick Foley MJF segment doing some numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that, like, AEW, like, they have, and, you know, they've had this goodwill so far. Like, you know, they announced that they're going to do this King of Hearts tournament, but we haven't heard any more on that. So I'm curious when that's going to come around and be, uh, you know, they're going to officially announce that as a, you know, is that going to start next year? Um, I'm guessing cause it's kind of late in the year now. And I think we only got what this next pay-per-view before we get into next year. So right. I'm, I'm speculating, but I think they're waiting for the board to open up fully so they can run a show like in Calgary or somewhere near there to do the final. That, that, that was exactly my thoughts is you're going to not really hear much about the King of Hearts thing until they're able to do shows in Canada. Okay. And that's probably where it's going to happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of the one of the many Canadian folks on their roster that got it. You know, looking at you, Ethan Page. Yeah, I was yes. going to say, cough, Ethan Page, cough. Because, <laughs> <laughs> man, you know, you guys have made the point on At Odds several times now. It does not make sense that they put him with a guy when Ethan can cut promos just fine. And like the guy that they put him with 
literally is making fun of dorks and like Ethan page is well known as a doll dork. So what <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I don't. So I will be the last person to defend Dan Lambert's existence. Okay. <laughs> but in AEW canon, Ethan page is not a doll dork. He is not a video game vlogger. You know, he is supposed to be this cool, you know, sharp dress, stylish guy. Um, and as much as it pains me to say, if this is what gets Ethan Page on TV by having to stand next to Dan Lambert while Dan Lambert bumblefucks his way through a shaky promo <laughs> and his voice cracks and everyone is convinced that, like, this is great. Um, and, like, eventually those MMA guys are going to go away and eventually Dan Lambert's going to go away. And hopefully with the time that Ethan Page gets by being on TV in a prime position across the ring from guys like Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara and stuff like that. Once the MMA stuff goes away and once the Dan Lambert stuff goes away, people will see Ethan page in a different light. It doesn't work for me. I'm already sold on Ethan page, but if this is their way to kind of sell people on Ethan page and to a lesser extent, Scorpio sky, who was like a day one OG guy mm -hmm. who was like one half of their first ever tag team champions and so on and so forth. We're playing the long game to get Ethan Page up to a level that we all know that he deserves to be at and eventually will be at, I think. So what you're I saying like so what you're saying is basically is that all these other people are gonna come and go, but Ethan Page will still have the tightest tits in the game at the end of the yes. day. Okay. At one hundred percent. I feel like Dan Lambert can get to an AAW like, okay, we can't get Jim Cornette. Who can we get to pretend to be Jim Cornette? That's what I really felt the first appearance was like when uh, Lance Archer came out and beat the shit out of him. It very much felt like Jim Cornette sort of stuff. Um, and I get Dan Lambert's like a big legitimate fan of professional wrestling. And that's fine. So am I. You don't see me on TV every week. Tony right. Khan's not knocking down my door to be a fat, shaky hand, cracking voice guy, cutting promos next to guys that are much better than me. Um, but again, I get it. He has an MMA connection as well, you know? So here's my question, kind of going back to the whole, like, on AEW, Ethan Page is supposed to be, like, a, a high-class, like, not a dork kind of thing. So right. do you think that the um, overage that they kind of do with, like, how wrestlers have branded themselves on the indies and gotten themselves as big as they have with, like, their YouTube channels and their their, their vlogs and everything like that, do you think that's more of a detriment once they get to the big games like that? Like WWE for the longest time had a very good handle on keeping those two worlds separate for, for the most part. And it was fine, but I feel like with AEW stuff blends together so much because, you know, like being the elite is a YouTube show. They have shows on YouTube. A lot of that like stuff blends together. It, do you think that that's like harder for them to overcome and build a character so that's an interesting position. I think let's say it works better if either a you're already established with whatever it is that you're doing, like the Bucks and Kenny with the being the elite. They're kind of at a point where their show has been around for so long on TV. It doesn't matter if they're baby faces or heels. Mm -hmm. It works. Whereas I think once Ethan Page gets that baby face turn. And that he could have his on-screen character be more like his vlog and his other persona. Um, then I think it'll work a little bit better. I think if you're a heel, it doesn't work. Okay. 
Makes sense. But that's just my opinion. You know, like I said, I as far as I'm concerned, you know, Ethan Page is a baby face in all the feuds that he's ever been in in AEW. So, <laughs> yeah, like when At he threw Darby the down them steps, you know, that was justified. I, I, I cheered for it when he threw Darby down. I them did too. Steps. Yeah, I won't get with AEW. At least if you do the YouTube stuff and do the video blogs, like they're not going to deep push you because it worked, like some other company will. That's <laughs> you can say whatever you want to about Mark, Matt Cardona. I know our fan base had very mixed emotion about him. But he got over and fucked doing that YouTube shit. WWE went, well, we don't want you over. That's another one I'll, you know, not that fucking broski needs me to plug his shit, you know. Um, but it's interesting The he's doing the MC true Long Island story where they're going kind of like week by week um, of him doing the vlog and the way that it was kind of looked at and treated as in WWE. Oh, I think think and again oh my god let me think to see when he started doing the vlog i think he started doing the vlog like before wrestlemania to kind of put things into perspective um so let's say it would have been like late march early april he starts doing the 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 z true long island story story they don't start doing something with him on tv that's not making him look foolish like letting him get wins and putting on pay-per-view until october so for six months like they would do dark segments where they would have Broski come out and then Triple H, who was a on screen baby face like authority figure, would come out and beat up Zack Ryder as dark segments. And it was all to try to kill his morale while he was doing the YouTube show. And it was like after six months, they're like, fuck it, we have to finally do something with this guy. Like, no matter what we do to this guy on TV, this YouTube thing, whatever, we don't even know what YouTube is 10 years ago in WWE, right? Mm hmm. They're like, no matter what we do, the fans are still behind this guy. So, you know, let's finally do something with him. And as quickly as they did something with him, because you got to remember, so like Broski ends up what winning the U.S. title, maybe like at Survivor Series that year. Yeah. And then by February, yeah. And then by February, he's positioned on TV as John Cena's friend uh, being made to look a fool by Kane. <laughs> and then he gets tortured by Kane. <laughs> Right. Trying to get his big WrestleMania moment and and his big WrestleMania moment of getting kicked in the nuts by Eve Torres and losing a twelve exactly. man tag. And then after that, he's pretty much back to right where he was before. Yeah, February of twenty eleven when the first episode dropped. Okay, so right, so February February twenty eleven, they don't start doing something with him until October of twenty eleven. Like on TV, getting wins. Like he's still on the house shows and stuff, and just like how funny the world is. Um, in professional wrestling, again, listen to the show. Um, around that time, like he was getting wins on the house show against people like Jack Swagger and Drew McIntyre. And like, look where they are now, Jack Swagger and Drew McIntyre, respectively. And 10 years ago in WWE, they were so low on the totem pole that Broski was beating them on house shows. I really want to know who Swagger's friends with that. He still has a job with AEW. <laughs> uh, he got the, he think- got the MMA connection. That's what it is. I'd like to think that every old timer that comes into w- into AEW gets one sympathy booking, like one sympathy contract. <laughs> and JR cashed his one in to get Jack Swagger signed because he's a, he's an authentic wrestler. He's from Oklahoma, whatever it is. And like part of JR's deal is like they can't fire Jack Swagger. Like everyone gets one. Hager get offensive. Do, am I going to pay to see him on a card? No. Am I going to be pissed that he's on the card? No. I am. I don't want to see him wrestle. <laughs> he's like, there's like, 
if they're going to go through and do cuts, cause that's what everybody was like up in arms about when this last, like uh, these last big group of guys got signed. Um, he would be at the top of my list personally. <laughs> like he, he has never sold a ticket for that company. He, nobody's paying to see that guy wrestle. Nobody's paying to see him on TV. Like he would be the first to go. Um, there's some other guys I could, I could pick out of that list too, but uh, I, I don't want to, you know, piss anybody else off. So, nah, listen, I'm, uh, I say let Tony Khan hire as many people as he can. Um, I'm not offended by Jack Swagger. I just don't care about Jack Swagger. Uh, he's not going to sell me on the show, but we're going to have to get to like 40 other people on the roster before I'm like, okay, now I have to care about Jack Swagger. Um, if he was being pushed as like a top guy and he got tons of TV time and all this other shit, then maybe we'd have another story, but he's like fifth guy down in the inner circle. He's barely on TV. Um, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. It's Jack Swagger. Who cares? Swagger got the role in the inner circle that Wardlow got with the pinnacle. He's the bodyguard type of guy. Sure. He's not, he's not going to get, he's not going to get pushed. He got his place. It's fine. But I think Wardlow, he was still relatively young in his career when he was signed. So I feel like he's one of those guys that's going to eventually do big things, but it's going to like, they've been slowly like getting him in the ring with other people and working with him and doing things. So like, eventually he's going to have that talent. You get around it enough, you know, some osmosis might happen and he might absorb some of that, you know, skill. So, oh, oh, Wardlow got potential to be a top to be a top guy. Long term, I'm going to push Wardlow over Jack Swagger, absolutely. But that, I'm just making the point though that Swagger got his role, and the role makes sense for what he's doing. Yeah, I I also think like it's kind of funny we talk about like these bigger guys like Wardlow and like uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, who would have a big future and like who I'm sure Vince like jerks off to thinking about, but like. <laughs> In AEW, they're not the prototypical guy for what AEW fans want. That's not what they go for. So it's interesting. Like those guys are super talented, and I've enjoyed their matches they've had. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Punk. Like I was really impressed with how that match came out. Um, I feel like he is definitely somebody that could have a big future. But like the the bigger guy isn't like a must have in that main event scene, like orange Cassidy got a title shot, like Omega as champion. He is not a tall guy. He is a, he's not a huge guy. So like, there's a lot of these guys that like the medium sized guy is okay in that. And you don't have to go with like giant muscle bound guys as you're in your world title picture, which is really cool. They're more of a background focus uh, for a lot of these stables and stuff like that. They don't have that, well, he's the biggest guy, so he's the you know the main focus of the thing, which is cool. Um, it's another thing that I think sets AEW apart. It's not all about the biggest guy, like, and then they have to do well. Rey Mysterio is this underdog for you know when they want to actually make Rey Mysterio do a run and have like some fun stuff. He can't do all his cool stuff because he has to look like an underdog instead of just being a really good wrestler. So. So you mentioned these guys in AEW, you mentioned Hobbs, you mentioned Wardlow and stuff like that, right? And they did the thing a couple of weeks ago uh, on AEW where MJF was like the four pillars of AEW were like, what, him, Sammy, Jungle Boy, and Darby Allen, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'll even go you one more and say like, you got like another four to ten guys 
underneath them that in four to five years are going to be like the next superstars, mm-hmm. not in maybe not in AEW, but definitely in wrestling. Uh, look at the WWE roster. Who's the four pillars that are going to be the future of the of WWE? Well, how old is Roman? Okay, Roman is maybe so Roman's already there. Like Roman's, I think maybe like in his late thirties, I would guess. Uh, Roman is already a top guy, and he'll probably be a top guy for like another five to you know five years, let's say. I would go longer who's like, because who, they who, who, they who can- in WWE is on the come up. Who's like a future star that you could look at that says in five to ten years this guy's going to main event WrestleMania? Yeah, I I want to I want to take you up and answer those questions, but it, with Vince <laughs> is so freaking schizophrenic right now as to what he want what he wants done. I, I can look at five guys right now and be like these are the five guys I would push. And Vince might agree with me today and tomorrow decide that he doesn't want anything to do with them and be like Nick Khan, cut these motherfucker. Like I I don't want to I can't bite on it. Yeah, I, I, they have a problem making stars there. That's why we've gone from, you know, we had Cena for that long period of time. And then, you know, we had the shield that was like huge names. Right. And then they're finally going to break them up and we're going to get Rollins and Ambrose and they position almost like a new corporation. So I'm feeling 98, 99 WWF again. We got the corporation Rollins group, all the corporate guys with the belt. And then you got Dean Ambrose, the Stone Cold, you know, and they're they're going to do some stuff. And then they have the Spooky Wizard guy come in and just fuck all that up and just not not ever go there. And then eventually they think, oh, well, it'll be cool to have every member of the Shield hold a title in the same night. And we'll finally give the belt to Dean Ambrose. And guess what? I didn't fucking care when it finally happened. The trigger to be pulled was when they were building him like Stone Cold Steve Austin going up against the corporation. They had the fucking playbook already there from, what, 20 years ago? And they're just like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to just make this really stupid and just go this whole other direction. They just they don't know what they want. They don't know how to make stars anymore. Like that could have made Dean Ambrose maybe not as hot as stone cold but pretty goddamn close as hot as stone cold if they would have kept building that corporation angle with him always fucking just missing it and they just they just didn't do it 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 was it was another rock stone cold right there remember when they put at the beginning of dean ambrose's music like that motor revving or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and like oh my god i go that's his glass shattering that's his like thing that hits before the music hits like the people are going to hear that and they're like that's a star mm-hmm. i'm like holy shit i go they finally did it and then they did nothing with it. nope and i was so bummed that i'm like oh my god i go this is the thing that like like as, as stupid as that sounds like that bit before your music actually starts like that one to two second little bit tells the fans like even the rock like you could look at the trajectory of the rock from his music mm-hmm. then his music having the if you smell at the beginning of it yep it was a different level. Yep. You know, yeah. Austin going from his music to having the glass breaking in front of it. And even just like things on like Bret Hart's music, like that opening that guitar note, yep. right? Like uh, Foley, that's Foley the, when they had the car crash. Right. Mick Foley when he had the car crash. Um, these are like the little things that like you maybe don't realize until like you look at like five or six or ten different guys and see that little slight change in their music and like oh that's interesting to have that moment that before the music hits it's like it's the pre-pop to the pop like right. when you hear that it's like oh i know to get ready for the guy yep. right 
Yeah, when you hear the glass, that's your ass. It's Stone Cold right. coming out to you know whoop some ass. So that's you you and you get the the visual of whoever's in the ring stopping what they're saying and looking like they're about to shit their pants. And here comes your guy. Like that's yeah, that's that's how it was done. That's that's what made it. And that's I think that's something that I feel like a lot of wrestling is lacking now too. Is like yeah, there's some cool stuff here and there, but man, the entrance music from that era is just. Everybody had that one thing. Even the Godfather had his like, like when he would be coming out, like get on the whole train, like all that. Like you knew, like as soon as the first like couple like beats to whatever it was, like you knew who was coming out and like that just, it's not, I feel like it's not as good as it was, but that might just be me like reminiscing about old stuff and rose colored glasses. And I don't know. Oh, I'll give you four names that are on either NXT or NXT UK that I think could be that WrestleMania main eventer if Vince doesn't fuck them up when they call them up to the main roster. I'm looking at Braun Breaker. Okay. I'm looking at Vaughn Wagner. I'm thinking, I'm looking at Otaki Jones. And I'm looking at Walter. They look at the four guys in NXT or NXT UK that could be WrestleMania main eventer if Vince McMahon doesn't fuck them up. So uh, I'm sure you saw Walter is getting on the European tour and he's going to have a bunch of matches with Cesaro. And they're going to be in fantastic fucking match. And Cesaro, yep. another guy that should have already been at the top of the fucking card. And then yep. Vince McMahon wouldn't let, wouldn't let it happen. That should have happened. That should have happened in 2014. And it never fucking happened. Yep. I think those matches with Cesaro is going to be a real test to see what and if Walter can do to move up to that next level. Odyssey Jones is a good one, and this is cra- and this is so crazy to say. You know how they f- they've already fucked up Odyssey Jones. Um, they he just wears a plain black singlet now. Yeah, remember like the first two weeks of uh, NXT Two Point Glow, he had like the big, colorful, like almost like puzzle piece looking singlets, and now he's just wearing like a plain black singlet. That's yep. a huge difference. Like he doesn't like he's a big guy. He's athletic. He does these things. But from a visual standpoint, like just looking at him, he doesn't pass the eye test anymore because he's just wearing like a plain black singlet. But Anarchy Jones reminds me of a young of a younger Keith Lee. Oh, well, look how good WWE. They had Keith Lee handed to them. Right. And they exactly. did great with them. Keith Lee main event at WrestleMania this year, right? Exactly my point. Or did they fuck <laughs> him up? You know? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're making my point for me. If, if Vince McMahon doesn't fuck the guy up. We, we right. literally came Keith Lee get fucked up. So, uh, Braun Breaker, I'm with you. Braun, Bra- Braun Breaker is a ten is a ten year project. Yeah. Um, he's so new and so early in the business, but like he's already got so many of those intangibles that they say that you can't teach. You know, he's got a look, he's got a presence. Um, he's a guy that I think would have benefited from like a house show circuit. Yeah. Of getting those reps in in front of a live crowd multiple multiple times, but they haven't fucked him up yet. Um, I don't see Von Wagner. Von Wagner has an interesting look to him, but I think he's wrestled one match in two months on NXT Two Point Glow, and he didn't really show me anything. He's tall. He looks interesting, like facially, but other than that, like I'm not seeing it. Sell me on Von Wagner. I I, I think he's the one guy out of the four I mentioned that Vince is gonna fall in love with, and he's gonna make a pet project whether he's ready for it or not. Because he got that good look, because he's taller, if he can cut any kind of promo at all and show any kind of pranking on a long-term scale, I think he's the one guy that Vince is going to fall in love with and stick with. He's going to be that Roman Reign type of project where I don't care how the fans are reacting, we're pushing this guy. 
And one can only hope that they put a good enough support system around him that um, he doesn't get exposed if he's not ready, you know? Right. Now, I'm also saying that uh, I'm also going to throw in the caveat that his dad was one of the Beverly brothers and look how they pushed him and he looked almost exactly like his dad. So I could be completely off base on that based off of that, too. But listen, it'll be interesting. I, I'm the guy that publicly stated in 2004 that Batista will never get above intercontinental title level. So listen, we <laughs> yeah, we, we, we we're all right. Sometimes we're all wrong. Sometimes. Yeah, on. exactly. You know. Who the hell knows? Ten years from now, Von Wagner could be like multiple time WWE champion. Triple H comes out of retirement just to put the kid over. And we uh, could all it could also be the last time Von Wagner can get her to even talked about a potential main eventer. We don't know. Sure. Von But even looking Yeah, but but even look I'm even looking at the roster now and I'm trying to see who's on the main roster now, who's like a step below the main event. And there's nobody that's like in that upper mid card level that I can really see getting elevated to that next level, either either they're just not, they just don't quite have it, or they, or the window path, like a Kangaro. Like, Kangaro should be that guy, but they seven years ago with time to do it, they still haven't done it. Right. Uh, Xavier Woods should be that guy. Yeah. And maybe this King thing will be the thing that pushes them up to that next level to get, like, a main event program, a title program, or whatever it is, but the gimmick is done in a way where it could go that way, or it could just be like a goofing around, fuck around gimmick, which I think Woods would be happy with either way. But I think Woods is like sneakily one of the best guys on the roster, but he never gets a chance to really have those sort of matches. And it's crazy because like in that group, you look at Woods, you look at Kofi, you look at Big E, and like sadly you're like, yeah, like in ring wise and whatever other you know factors you want to say, Woods is third against those two guys. But, like, look at how fucking good those two guys are. Right. Like, Woods standing on his own, given that chance to shine, I think would knock so many people's socks off. But it's just, like, just because Kofi is so much better and Big E is so much better. But that's like saying, like, Woods is a 10 and these guys are 15s. Now, what, what I do want to get out of Xavier Wood, like, when they gave Kofi that main event push, we saw what Kyrie Kofi Kingston could look like. We're seeing now what Tyrion Biggie could look like. They, they're keeping that personality, but you're seeing that Tyrion Edge. We need to see what Wood does if they let him have that Tyrion Edge. That's going to really be the telltale whether they can push him to that next level or not. Absolutely. So I'm going to change it up a little bit here. Um, going back to when we were talking about like the Pritchard podcast and like uh, the Conrad stuff, I remember on one of them they mentioned that sabu was real close to coming into wwf and doing a program with bret hart how interesting is that to you because that's for some reason it just really sparked my brain and i just it makes me super interested in like that what that feud could have been what year would this have been i would have had a well, he did a, he did try out in 93 like what had right. it probably been 93 94 i want to say it was 94 is is what comes to mind instantly with it i'm almost positive they said it was like early 94 and then something happened and he he ended up not coming in but he was like they said he was like real close to signing like had the contract just had to send it back type type deal i i think that era because you have to remember as everyone kind of like, WWE didn't really start shit in the bed until 95. Uh, so Sabu in, like, 93, 94, WWF would be super interesting. Um, 
obviously he's going to get that one, you know, good match or good program out of Brett, but then you you have to ask yourself, then what? Like, whether, like, they brought, if you remember, they brought Hakushi in mm-hmm. in 95 and immediately was programmed against Brett, and then Hakushi had that killer match with Brett on an in-your-house, and then what did Hakushi do after that? Nothing. Right. They teamed, they teamed up with Barry Horowitz when they were pushing Horowitz for a week and a half. Right. So Sabu was, like, Sabu's not the type of guy that, like, okay, we're going to bring you in, you're going to do a three-match run on pay-per-view at Bret Hart, and then after that, you're going to be wrestling on superstars against Bob Holly, trading wins and losses there. Sabu's the type of guy that'd be like, fuck you, I'm out of here. Right. So... Like the matches probably would have been fan- the Brett match probably would have been fantastic, but I don't know how much more you would have got out of Sabu if you didn't keep him as a top guy. Well, I think Vince really had a thing for Sabu because even like when they brought back uh, ECW, like before everything went down with him and RVD in Southern Ohio, uh, getting pulled over and stuff, like Vince wanted to make Sabu like a big fucking deal in ECW and make him like the guy who obviously didn't wrestle that often, but was the champion and like, was like a big deal when he wrestled and like they were going to do that. That's what Sabu has said. But I also feel like that's true. Cause I felt like I've heard that from other people too, that that was going to be a thing. Like he was, he really loved Sabu. Cause like they even did the Sabu John Cena stuff. Like you don't put him in there with your like million dollar money machine. If you don't like have faith in him and think he's good. Like I wouldn't put Sabu anywhere near John Cena if I didn't like have that faith. And they had a really good series of like matches. So, oh, I I I'm I'm like Jonah from Pod Van Dam. I think uh, John. I don't think John Cena has bad matches. I, I like my dream match is anyone you could think of against John Cena. <laughs> um, but I get where you're coming from regarding uh, Sabu. Um, I just think that Sabu is such a volatile personality that he knew what was best for sabu where i think other people didn't and it was tough to keep up with what was best for sabu Mm -hmm. and i could definitely see you know especially around that time you put sabu in the ring with the wrong guy and it takes the wrong guy to complain it's like oh sabu was working a little too stiff for me brother um because remember when um rvd like 97 when they did the mr monday night stuff with rvd in wwe right mm-hmm. comes in and he has the match with uh scorpio i think on raw and then he had like another match maybe where he took on the road dog of all people like pre new age like the like jesse james road dog right mm-hmm. not even new age outlaws road dog and then i think they wrestled a match on shotgun what was rvd and Lawler against the Headbangers. Yes. And I think they lost. Like, the Headbangers beat them. And that was the end of them. That was the end of RVD in WWE. And imagine that's Sabu, right? Imagine it's Sabu wrestling an even match in 1997 against a pre-New Age Outlaws road dog. And imagine Sabu being told, you're going to team with uh, an announcer and lose a match to, like, maybe our number eight team on the roster. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to correct like, you just a little bit here, Joe. I just looked it up. There are two matches they have with the headbanger. The match on Shotgun was a no contest. They okay. actually, but they lost on Raw on the tag team tournament when Michael had a kinky fit and walked out. But he was still tag team champ. Oh, boy. <laughs> it actually worked. It had on Raw where more people fought. Yeah. But that also made me want Shawn Michaels against uh, Sabu because I think that'd be super duper interesting. Like, <laughs> some of those names, like, 
take take the, the take the like the backstage shit out of it just like imagine them two like green yeah we're gonna work and like do a program together imagine the shit we could have got out of them like that could have been fucking insane like things that just never were like that that could have just been so crazy my only thing though was like even if we take the backstage stuff out of it like you know sean at his prime outside of like maybe the undertaker wasn't was only having good matches with his friends yeah um you know like his matches with vader weren't great his matches with bulldog were pretty shitty his matches with brett were good but that's not a credit to michaels that's more of a credit to brett um but if you could take no political bs 1995 Shawn michaels versus 1995 sabu um yeah it'd be crazy shit man but it just i know in my heart of hearts uh that just physically couldn't happen you know oh you don't think they'd be doing coke together in the back and then going out there and just like going wild i don't know well rvd or sabu is more of a weed guy and michaels is more of a pill guy but i get what you're picking up (laughs) i think they could have made an agreement that not that night to allegedly blow a few lines and then let's go out there and have some fun um (laughs) yeah i don't know all right, so we've been talking for almost two hours. So uh, how about you give us a fun Chikara story to kind of wrap things up today? Oh, fun Chikara story. Mm, I'm trying to think of a good one. Um, I could give you like a bunch, okay? okay? Like a bunch of like little short ones. Um, there were students that came to the school that were also like indie workers, like low-end indie workers at the time that during intermission would like in the hallway try to hawk their like indie merch while they were Chikara students and one can only imagine how well that went over <laughs> um it was always interesting to see who would be like what student or students would be working swamp monster versus standing outside the ring seconding swamp monster you know like if swamp monster's not doing any moves it could be any variety of student maybe some that might even be on national tv these days but if it was wrestling swamp monster it was typically only one guy okay um the bit with all the mascot characters like your dragon dragon type characters where they had to stop getting used because the costume shop that they were rented from they would come back in such a uh, state of disrepair that they stopped renting to Chikara. And it would have been, this would have been like 2012, I think, where Quack finally just bit the bullet and bought the Dragon Dragon costume from the comic, or from the costume shop. And when Chikara went under, I think Quack sold the Dragon Dragon costume on eBay. (laughs) So somebody else owns the dragon dragon costume and I'll have to remember, but I think somebody in ring of honor of all things bought it because there was a TV taping. Uh, it might've been the first one back at the ECW arena over the summer where somebody had the dragon dragon costume and people were all taking backstage pictures either with or in the dragon dragon costume. (sighs) I saw a photo of a certain Yonkers native, I think in a, in a costume i feel uh-huh. like and uh that, that floated around for a while uh i also remember like cp monk right right because you have to remember there was cp monk uh there was colt Cabunny for a while 
Um, we were very close to getting Scotty Flamingo. Oh my God, that would have been so uh, great. Which I was so bummed. Like, it was like we were told, like, oh, next month we're getting Scotty Flamingo. I've seen the costume. Where do you see what this looks like? I was like, I was so happy. And I think it was the <laughs> Moscow the Communist Bovine costume specifically. <laughs> that got that got beat up so bad that the costume place wouldn't rent from rent to Chikara anymore. <laughs> And that killed Scotty Flamingo's debut in Chikar. I was so uh, sad about it. <laughs> I'm just trying like that. You know, those are like the fun things like from Chikar. I think I mentioned this on another podcast. Uh, Kingston and I tried to pitch um, Ole and oh, oh, I'm sorry, Ole Anderson, where it, <laughs> it, it would just be like an old man. It would be like a dude in an old man mask, kind of like a Darkness Crabtree type mask. But as close to Anderson as it could be without being only Anderson and they would just do like all of Generico shit right <sighs> and then another one that was Kingston's pet project was Dumbo Saruta where it'd be a guy that just did like all Japan style wearing an elephant mask <laughs> and and these were things that we would literally pitch to quack like once every six months and he would just be like I don't think so but we would still like eventually we're gonna like, like maybe somebody will bite on them. Those are two free gimmicks. If somebody wants to do those on the indies, I don't even need credit for them. You could have them. Um, uh, oh, this is another fun one. So you know Jaka? Uh yes. his name previously I think was like Johnny Mongway or something. I forget what it was, like in Beyond. Um but when they decided to pivot him into a Chikara character when he was like the savage and he had the taped fingers and like, like I love that sort of old school stuff, but it was at a wrestling is fun show and quack is like, we need a new name for him. It needs to sound like this. It needs to like sound like a strike. It needs to have like a hard consonant in the middle and so on and so forth. And he's like, I'm pitching this, whoever has an idea, whatever it is. Right. So at the time, I was still playing Hero Clicks. Are either of you aware of Hero Clicks? Yes. Like a little miniatures game with your comic book characters. Yes. And at the gaming studio that I would go and play at, the owner's daughter, who was like a 12-year-old girl who would also play, her name was Jaka. And I don't know where the hell it was from, <laughs> but that was her name. And Quack is looking for these things, and he's saying these things, and I go, what about Jaka? And he goes, I love it. And that's how Jaka got his name. Oh my god! He's he's named after a twelve-year-old girl that owned the uh, of the daughter of the guy that owned the gaming studio where I used to go play Hero. Oh, at. that is amazing. Yes, and I think I'm the one who came up with Usurper for Oleg because his name in Beyond was Josh Thor, and his name was on the sheet as Oleg question mark. And Quack was like, it can't be Oleg. It needs to be Oleg something, like the something, right? And there, I me and my brother, uh, you know, who has sadly passed away a couple years ago, we were both really big Simpsons fans. And even though I don't watch Simpsons anymore, I still consider myself a Simpsons fan. Um, there was an episode that we were watching where Marge called someone that she was thinking of stealing, who she thought was trying to steal her family, a usurper. Mm -hmm. And we had just watched that episode and... I go, what about the usurper? And Mike is like, ooh, I like that too. And nobody else had any other better ideas. So like in those wrestling is fun days, a lot of people were given a lot of leeway. And this isn't my story to tell, um, but of the like 
Colony Extreme Force that had like all the accessories and shit. If you're a Chikara person from that era, and I know talking about Chikara on this show is, oh my goodness, don't beep this out, please. Fuck that. Um, no, we're, not, we're not bleeping anything. I was, we're, we're just not going to put the cup on PWP in the quick like all. Well, no, th- oh, this good. can go up because we're not discussing anything specific. Right. Joe's just the guest. So there's no yes. show review. So it's just Joe's episode. <laughs> and we get away I'm not with directing anyone to make someone money unless you want to send PayPal me money. And I'll tell you all sorts of Chikara secrets I can't tell in the air. Three guys from nowhere <laughs> at gmail.com. However much you feel uh, you want to send me will, de- will depend on the secret I tell you. Um, well, shit, but- we can just make this monthly. I'll sign up for that Patreon. Damn. <laughs> yeah. um, Honestly, that's going to be the first bonus show on the Patreon. We're going to do two hours with Joe for the Patreon every month. <laughs> I, I, uh, my buddy David, uh, Kim Cannon, aka the Jingle Meister, he does a lot of like the bumpers and music and stuff on Ad Odds and a bunch of other shows on Soon to Be Name, Name Network. I had him Photoshop me, uh, like a Mean Gene ad where it was like an old ad out of the WCW magazine where it was like Gene in front of a brick wall with the microphone and spray painted on it was like the the the, the hotline number 909 you know. One nine hundred nine zero nine ninety eight nine hundred, and I had him Photoshop it so it was the same like font looking thing, but it was my email address. And anytime like somebody would stooge something off to me, I would always like just occasionally tweet that out. And I'm like, oh, I, I heard something good today. Send me a PayPal, and I'll tell you, you know. <laughs> um, but like I hear, like you know, I'm more I'm pretty good. If I'm if I get told something that's gonna happen. Um, sometimes I just need to tell one person just to get out of my system. So I don't blab it to a ton of people so that the secret's not eating me alive. Uh, but I got a, I got one I'm sitting on that I haven't told anyone yet. And it's one of those ones. It's like, oh, this is too good. I can't tell anyone. But anyway, <laughs> um, so colony, uh, you know, they have the colony and then they introduce the colony extreme force, which is like, uh, missile assault ant uh arctic rescue ant and orbit adventure ant i still fucking where they love have, that they made wrestling ants with like gi joe gimmicks i fucking right love and it. They, they had gi joe gimmicks because they came with accessories like arctic rescue Ant had a snowboard that like lit up and shit missile assault ant had like the boba fett backpack that was like painted like the orange and the whatever and then uh orbit adventure ant had like this light up space helmet well, Orbit Adventure Ant was supposed to be Dan Champion, but he didn't want to fucking spend the money to buy the helmet, so they just, like, put somebody else in it. Like, oh. Orbit Adventure Ant was, like, the floating person in that group. Like, Arctic, Arctic Rescue Ant was always Arctic Rescue Ant. Missile Assault Ant was always Missile Assault Ant. Um, but Orbit Adventure Ant was, like, a floater. Like, that would be, like, a random third person. <laughs> would there ever talk about having an ant with Kung Fu Grip? No, that would be a good one, though. I think it was more so like the accessories that lit up was like the gimmick, you know, <laughs> so there's a bunch of Chikara stuff, you know, I think the statute of limitations on those things have passed. I don't think anyone would get upset. And if you get upset, send me a direct message and uh, we'll talk. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so one last thing before we go. So we uh, we kind of discussed this off air. I kind of want to bring it up here because it'll this will come out on Monday. Uh, and they'll be before the next episode in the the next round of the gender neutral monarch tournament. Um, let's. Uh, I'll save your thoughts for um, for the, for your show. Um, but uh, do do you have any words of advice for the remaining competitors? Mm. 
words of advice for the remaining competitors. Well, uh, I feel as though, as though if you were nominated by a podcast, either on the network or friends of soon-to-be-named network, At Odds With Wrestling, uh, I would do your damnedest to uh, tweet the people involved, no matter how closely or not closely, um, to try to bolster support for you. Um, you know, a young man in his mid to late thirties did so, and it kind of worked. So I don't know, maybe it could work for you too. <laughs> that's, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. I think there's a lot of fun discussion to be had that we wouldn't normally have on the show. That's why I think, uh, Joe's a fun person to have on and kind of give his perspective on stuff. And plus like, you know, as often as we like hate certain stuff, when we review stuff, like Joe's a pretty positive person i feel like like he has his dislikes and his likes but overall like he stays pretty generally like happy about pro wrestling so i i, I like that uh that energy kind of feeds off on us and it makes me like like indie wrestling more uh than i did like previously every time we have you on so i've kind of fallen out of the thing where you know obviously adam assigns me like crazy bad shows and stuff mm-hmm. uh we assign each other homework for at odds and you know it took me like two but like when i when he assigned me the nightmare family showcase three for this week yeah and i'm like ooh, i really like the second one i can't wait to watch the third one you know i was excited um you know i was afraid he was gonna assign me free the narrative too and then uh you know he wouldn't uh that's the thing there is a kill switch there is a thing there is a a a certain something that adam can assign uh obviously one i know he'll never assign which would be any of the saudi blood oil money shows (laughs) like if he assigned one of those i'm like oh homework's done we're never doing that but he would never do that there is something out there that adam can assign that i would kill homework and be like all right i can't watch that we're done you know i i have a contract to fulfill if you assign me something i have to watch it as long as the homework segment exists but if you if you assign me this we're done i can't i can't do it anymore hero of wrestling 99 so what was that Hero of Wrestling 99. I think I assigned that to Adam and we had a great time <laughs> talking about it, you know? God, that is such a bad show. Oh my god, it's terrible. But it's uh like it's one of those legendarily bad shows that I think every wrestling fan should have to watch. Like no matter how bad you think wrestling is, or no matter how good you think you have it currently, like I think every wrestling fan should watch Heroes of Wrestling to know how bad it could possibly get. Yeah, the, uh, when when Butter and I first started podcasting together, our original format was to watch Bad Wrestling and just MST3K the hell out of it. <laughs> and, and that was one of the shows that was on my short list. And we got about four episodes in that format and went, we can't keep watching Bad Wrestling. We're going to hate wrestling if we keep doing this. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, I, you know, I, I'm a fan of like, I'll watch a bad movie. I'll watch a bad TV show and like find joy in it. Because I'm not a huge like movie watcher these days. I'm not a huge TV watcher these days. I don't want to read a bad comic book. I don't want to watch bad wrestling. It makes me feel bad. I know what that thing is. I figured it out. Okay. If you say it and you're right, I won't say that you were right. If you say it and you're wrong, I'll let you know you're wrong. Uh, it's um, any match where Jayhawk is the referee. Oh, fuck you, dude. Yes! <laughs> yes! He didn't say it was wrong. Ha! Huh? No, oh, no, no. You are wrong. That's not it. <laughs> he's, never, he, he's never seen me referee yet. That's the only reason why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can do the cuff deprecating humor. I don't give a shit. Oh, man. 
that was a good one though it was a good yeah <laughs> i had to i had to shoot back at him it, 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 it was the perfect opportunity so yeah, i get i get you enough on this show i would go to i'm out of comebacker 20. <laughs> yeah you know I've, every once in a while I'll, I'll hit you with one. Oh man so uh jayhawk anything else you want to talk about before we go you know what? We we'll have Joe on again in the future. I'm sure it's getting late. Let's just go ahead and wrap it up and let the okay. panel Joe wants to cover while we're on here. No, I think we're good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Like I said, I, I love talking wrestling. You know. Yeah, it's it's always a pleasure, man. I'm I'm so happy you take the time to do this. And uh, like I said, I'll have you on. I'd say like once a month, but we'll we'll spread it out a little bit more and, and give give you some breathing room. So uh, we'll look. Uh, maybe early next year early 2022 for the next uh joe sposto appearance okay, and, okay. Uh, we did we did mid, we did mid-august last time that could drop in november 1st so that's about two and a half to three months i think that's a good yeah so we'll, we'll i'll I'll, th- I'll throw this out there only because i'm going to be on his podcast here coming up in the near future joe gagney's uh five-star match game i'm going to be on next month doing saturday night's main event okay um and in the past he would do it i think he took it to like a twitter sort of thing and he would do a podcast and i don't know if he did it last year um if he did or didn't i'm gonna let him know that i might try to steal it for this um to do like a 2022 prediction show okay like just you like at the beginning of the year make one prediction of a thing that you think is going to happen in wrestling in 2022 and then kind of revisit at the end of the year of like, oh, well, this is what Charlie said, this is what Jayhawk said, this is what Joe said. Bunch of different people submit their things, and then we come back a year later and, like, let's see if anyone got anything right. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Just as an idea. But I'm going to let Joe know that I'm stealing his idea. <laughs> yeah, I got to start uh, listening to the, like, the five-star match game and and the... Um the a show and uh these like i you know i never crossed my mind that there was like a thing of like a podcast game show and now that these things i know exist and they're wrestling based i i need to maybe start working them in my rotation and then eventually um pull some strings and uh a big time myself onto these shows and uh you know like once once my project that i'm working on drops like uh and becomes a thing uh, I might be able to uh, use some uh, some big time energy and uh, get myself some places. So uh, maybe that'll be in the future for 2022 as well. Yeah, well, well, not a well, not a game show per se. Back in the day of America Online chat room, uh huh. We did we would do trivia contests like every week just for fun. Okay. And we and we treated them like they were like wrestling cards. Like the main event would be the title match, and the first one answer ten questions right would win the title or whatever. One of the early ones we did, they booked me against a mystery opponent. And I go on, they're like, okay, who are they going to get? They actually brought in the fucking blue meanie to be my mystery opponent for this thing. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And it was, for, it was four out of seven. I beat blue meanie four to one. And the only question the blue meanie got right before I did was who trained the blue meanie. <laughs> and it was Al Snow, right? Ding. Yes. All right. So I think... Five and I was actually able to tell Blue Meanie the story a couple of years ago, Cauliflower Alley. I'm like, I'm going to tell you a story. You're probably not going to remember it. If you tell me you remember it, I'm probably going to tell you you're lying to my face. And he, <laughs> and he goes, okay. And I told him that. He goes, yeah, you're right. I don't remember that, but it sounds like something I do. <laughs> I think five-star match game, from what I've heard of it, I think would be right up your alley, Jayhawk, because you are like an encyclopedia. And I feel like you would, you would, uh, 
you would have a good time on there. So maybe, maybe I'll try to get you on five star match game and I'll try to do a show. And that'll be our, our 2022 goal is to, to get on those shows. I would love to do five star match game. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like the way that Joe gamifies things. Uh, it's really good. Like, I know, like, because I've been on the show before and I listen to the show, like, I know one of the questions is going to be Saturday's, Saturday's main event has been uh, held at X amount of arenas. How many can you name? And then, like, it'll be the two of us. Like, well, like, it was held at 20 different buildings. Why well, can name 15? Why well, can name 16? Why well, can name 17? Okay, I challenge you to name 17. You know, it's mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then there's like a fill in the blank one where it'll be like, uh, there was an episode of Saturday Night's Main Event where Kim Chi was unmasked to be revealed to be blank. And you would say the Honky Tonk Man. Exactly. Right. So it's like stuff like that. So like I love like any sort of gamification of like wrestling knowledge like that. And like how it just gets so narrow cast. Like he's done episodes on Starcades. He's done episodes on Halloween Havocs. Uh, he's done episodes on Survivor Series. This is his. Uh, and then the one that he just did recently was TNA. And it was like specifically like the first 10 years of TNA, which is crazy to think that we could break it up like the first 10 years, the next 10 years. And Ed did really good for himself. I'll I'll give Ed credit. Cool. Yeah. I think that's going to be our 2022 goal, uh, podcast wise. So yeah, well, I I will do, I will do any podcast that asked me to be on within reek and the five-star match game definitely does come like something and be right up my alley. So (laughs) I'll start Joe. If if you're listening, I'll put for you when we record. Okay. Nice. All right, uh, Joe, uh, go ahead and uh, plug your stuff, and we'll we'll take this home. Soon to be named network.com. That's really it. Uh, any of the podcasts that I do, uh, any of the podcasts that are in our little grouping of podcasts, or anytime any of the folks from those podcasts show up on other podcasts, you can find it there. Soon to be named network.com. Cool. Jayhawk, what do you got going on? Uh, well, this coming Saturday, November 6th, I will be working for Mega Championship Wrestling, their show Cashed Out. Taking place at Commodore Plank in Vermilion, Ohio, kick 30 bell time. Uh, TNA X Division champion Trey Miguel defending the mega championship against Nick Nero in the main event of that show. I think there's like eight or nine matches going to uh, kind for that card. That should be a very fun time. I add normal, follow me on Twitter at RefJayhawk, Instagram Jayhawk1539. And if I when I decide to do the Twitch gimmick, twitch.tv forward slash RefJayhawk. All right, and please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to us. And don't forget about our merch store over at whatamaneuver.net. Check out our podcast friends, Wrestling Cheers, Pod Van Dam, the Super Fantastic Podcast, If You Catch My Grift, and At Odds With Wrestling. Check out our other friends, pwponderings.com, Big Starks Brand, Set Tab Photo, Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, and Kayfabe Collectibles. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Charlie underscore Butters, and you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at IWTV Guide. Talk to you next week, everyone. I never hate to admit it Taking out your suckers and you don't know how I did it Lately I've been snappy, I gave up on the fitted Sometimes up on the bucket, eventually I kick it Chocolate on the starfish, everybody kiss it I pray that you don't get it and I ain't even religious I don't need your instant and I don't want your digits Hit somebody else up when you're trying to sell your tickets Everybody got a mic Chasing all they can to get another like I don't need another motherfucker
time for me to flip it How many times you gonna change how you rip it I'm sorry to say it, but ain't nothing that can fix it And you should play it for us cause your audience is crickets Gotta love the crickets I ain't trying to have it, so please don't try to give it You give this kind of useless and I can't do nothing with it I'm glad that I don't know you, it means that I don't miss you So if you see me out, don't come over here to visit Lethal, turn it up, we burning up the kitchen Freddy D gon' whip us up a batch you ain't forgetting I'm bringing out the fixings, too many to mention And bringing back the 90s to ease up on the tension Everybody got a mic, chasing all they can to get another like I'll need another motherfucker in my life Looking at my life, giving me a light Mr. West Borland? Yeah. Well, hey, uh, this is Robert from Carlo Claney. Um, hey, yeah, so uh, thank you for doing this interview. Uh, means a lot to us. We know you don't talk to a lot of people these days. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so uh, um, favorite foods, your favorite foods, uh, a Korean barbecue, sushi, Mexican food, trashy seafood, fajitas. Is this true? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Um, and your favorite bands, uh, uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Holy Fuck, Godspeed, you Black Emperor, Black Emperor, excuse me, uh, The Hacks and Cloak, Ween, Aphex Twin, is this true? Fantastic. Uh, some other things you like to do, I heard a lot. You love mountain biking, blacksmithing, and collecting oddities. Is this true? Yes. West Borland, you're a legend. It's great talking to you. Thank you so much. Coming from Bloggazan. Thanks. Thank you, Wes. Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks. Bye. Goodbye.